my god, my body's back. Thank Grunky. Welcome back, dear listeners, to the next episode of Grim Lore, the lore podcast for all your grim, dark fantasy and sci-fi needs. Unfortunately, we're still floating out in the middle of space. I think I see stardust out the window. Ray, help me out here. What am I looking at? What the fuck? Why? What the? What? Why is why is there stardust all? Uh, um, well, that's not good. Uh, I don't think stardust is supposed to be crushing our ship very slowly. Um, your ship. <laughs> okay, fine. Sorry, the ship that we borrowed from from uh from a dwarf slash uh, pirate or whatever was left of this hunk of junk. Sorry, my mistake. <laughs> to be fair, we didn't borrow. He uh, kidnapped us first. We just commandeered it back. Uh, good point. Additionally, I hope you have um, primordial god insurance, because I think that's what we're going to need. Um, I barely have fire insurance. Speaking of, Gerald, um, the, the dashboard's on fire again. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, um... Where's the fire extinguisher, Shark? Hey, Shark, where's the fire extinguisher? You, um, got, you got one, right? <laughs> funny story about that. Uh, I, th- I gave it to a jackal last time because he told me CO2 gets grunts high, and I thought it was pretty funny. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, I like to oh, imagine just replace the methane tank on his back. Just... <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> he just dusts himself in the mat- mouth, man, and then you watch him go. Oh, you can imagine just like fucking, uh, what is that, Mad Max, where they're like spray painting their mouse metal. He's in this Wait, case, it's, it's, a me. it's a fire extinguisher. You just see a grunt just like just blasting his fucking mouth with a fucking fire extinguisher gas. <laughs> just go. Oh. There will be some grunts that will be into that shit. I wouldn't be surprised. I, uh, wonder if, I wonder if you can get the Fallen to fall for that, too. I mean, <laughs> they fall the for way. anything. Hey, I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing. They, it wouldn't be the worst thing they've consumed. <laughs> I mean, we established they huff robot shit. So, I mean, at one point they tried to drink fucking the Vex mind fluid, which was not a good idea. <laughs> mind fluid. Hmm. Sounds like some Hannibal Lecter bullshit Basically, here. Uh. Uh, it's uh, you know what? It's like the flood. Just for reference, it's like the flood. Just imagine you willingly ate a flood spore. I got some mind fluid for him. <laughs> you would, shark. You would. I mean, they do it call is it white. mind fluid. It is white. You know, I have the oh, shark God. button on standby, right? Sorry, right, I got the self destruct button on standby. Oh damn it. <laughs> It's just the fucking slip space drive. <laughs> Badoosh. <laughs> Lock uh, your armor. Give him a good fight. Uh. Mm, but poor. speaking of, <laughs> oh, oh, but I'm actually sad now because I just remember that, and now I'm sad because that guy did not need to die. Apparently, according to Shark. Nope, he didn't. Nope. He didn't. Even if he was a softy, he was our softy. Oh, but um, I think it's time to discuss the, uh, how do I put this, the existential horror surrounding our ship. Um, Please do. Judging by what it looks 
And judging by what it is, I'm gonna assume that this is the nine that has us. Which means one of two things. Either we're going to die, or they want something really obscure and random as payment. So does anyone have uh, pennies, loonies, uh, grass? Um, the third the third blade of grass that was cut today. Some random bullshit, something. Uh, Fuck, even a word. I'll go send some of the grunts to go look in the in the hold. <laughs> I'm sure I got something in there. Are we able to wrap for them I mean, like Rick and Morty? Are they like those floating heads that can just go, Show me what you got. Well, I don't know. They're, 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 you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if the Nine would like a rap song. Well, you're the bard. Go take your loot and go fucking rap for them. I am not fucking rapping. I am not. I do not have that in me. But I will gladly spin them a tail if that lets them stop crushing our ship. Well, what are the options that we got? Let's do it. <laughs> I can try to make some ale for uh, them too. You know what? They they might drink it. They, they might they might appreciate it. They're the fucking nine. Okay, shark. You have your grunts get all the alcoholic stuff or whatever. I will try and make a concoction worthy of these nine whatever the hell they are. Yes. Um also if you see him with a tentacle face, do not kiss him. Just just don't. Uh, I'm already on it. Sorry. I had them stowed in the bay. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, boy. oh boy. I want to see that octo pussy. Okay. Oh, he said he said the thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I don't think we're going to be talking about any octos. I think we're going to be talking about some crustacean bug people today because we got uh, the fallen part two that we got to go over. Okay, yes. Anything but Shark's obsession with octos and uh, uh, yeah, just keep going. <laughs> I will say those tentacles can do some things. <laughs> Grungi, help me. Oh. oh my goodness. You know what? Let's not give Shark ideas. But you know what? I'm going to give him ideas anyway. Uh, why? There you go, Shark. Here, I'm going to send you a wanted poster on the dashboard cam of the tentacle face people to avoid unless you have something really weird to barter with them. You've got mail. What? <laughs> it looks like an aardvark. Poorly drawn. <laughs> Regardless, speaking of things that are poorly drawn, the fallen. Because don't look at fallen art, please. There's almost as much fallen art as there is Steven. So is the I challenge to is, so is the challenge to look up female fallen without running into porn? Well, you you first the weird part is you'll find female fallen. You'll find like you'll find. Uh, What's her name? Ida. You'll find this really nice motherly fallen that you'll love. And then you'll scroll down like two or three uh, swipes in your mouse. And next thing you'll know, you'll find, bam! Fallen with big asses. All right, then. I've never seen a sexier creature. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, no. Shark, what have you been doing with those tentacles? No wonder you smell. <laughs> They're very right. slimy. Oh no! Is that them or you? <laughs> it's it's them, but then it's me after I'm done. <laughs> he somehow uh, makes him smell better when he's done. 
Oh, that's an image I didn't want to think about. All right, let's 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 discuss the fallen before the, the nine start crushing our our souls into nothingness. They're disappearing. I got now. something they can crush. Oh my god! God, Grungy bless the uh, freeholds. Damn. All right, JL, do you want to say something? What did you want to say something? Nope. Nope. Just, All right. Just, just let's let's talk about forearm bug people and not uh stuff. Ten, yes, okay. <laughs> so when we last left off, should we do a recap? Do you think this is worth a recap or no? I mean I could think my, it's worth a recap. I could pull my minute timer up. Let me get this. All right, I believe in you. You can do it. Good, because I don't believe in me right now with Okay. Three, two one go so we were introduced to the fallen a a race of four-armed bug people originally called the elixni they were one of the first or they had an experience with the traveler who uh lifted them up from basically warlord vaguely feudal uh houses almost like game of thrones because a lot of game of thrones jokes were made and then uh the darkness came and it was not a good time for anybody there was a uh fallen leader that um i'm already forgetting his name shame on me uh he was the kel of kells originally and he died because the traveler said fuck the shit i'm out and then yeeted off to the solar system so the fallen uh, basically broke off into Civil War. They found a solar system. They have four houses. House of Devils is the ones that you fight in Destiny. And they're awful people. And mic drop. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Excellent. So yes. That was a good discussion of the Fallen. So. This is going to be the continuation of it. And when I last left off, I mentioned that we are going to be talking about where the Fallen are in Destiny 1. Now, I kind of kind of lied, because when I was looking at it, I was kind of like, you know what? I kind of, like, didn't give the Reef Wars that much of a, uh, the, the, what they what they deserved. Oh, and wait, for wait, reference, wait. I'm not... Did you just say the Reefer yes. Wars? The Reef Wars. Okay. I don't know why I thought I heard Reefer. Yes. It was all about the ganja, man. <laughs> <laughs> Because when the atomic bomb goes off, there's joy and celebration. <laughs> it was peace and love. I mean, <laughs> they are fighting over ether, so I mean. Okay, I'm just going to put this out there. I'm going to be covering the Reef Wars, but I'm not going to be covering like some of the more obscure stuff in the Fallen. For like, like for example, the Dragon Cult or the Cult of the Shard. I'll like give passing mentions to them, but not not enough to full, give a full deep dive. So right now I'm just going to give the very bare bones kind of direct stuff because like if we're going to come back with the dragon cult and the cult of the shard and all the other stuff, that's not it's not worth more than a passing mention or playing the game to really learn about it. So I'm going to give more of the additional details that you would kind of be missing out if you, you know, stuff that you wouldn't really experience in game except for like through mission dialogue and like very obscure grimoire cards and all, all the all the hidden lore that they hid away and not put in the video game. Because Bungie kind of sucked a little bit. <laughs> ah. And did I hear you say Grimoire? 
Ah, interesting. Perhaps a origin of our name, perhaps? Oh, are we finally going to reveal that? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Drop dead like a bag of fish. Oh, so, yes, right. <laughs> I'm going to be talking about the Reef Wars, which um, is the unofficial name for the uh, humans, uh, not the humans, the Awoken's version of Twilight Gap. So, was it any similar before we to, go in, was it any similar to Twilight Gap in that it was not a good time for them? Or did they curb something a little because bit. they were badass, awesome, elf, dummy, mommy, Awoken? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Much stepping was had. Well, there was definitely some stepping on Kells, for sure. I bet they enjoyed it. <laughs> Not as much as I will. Just give me one second. Uh, just keep your tentacles away from me. My tentacles? Fucking dude in the fucking captain's quarters tentacles. I remember what you did with my monitor when I was digital. I cannot unsee that shit. It's because I use the USB ports for an unintended purpose. Does not mean anything. I feel so violated. Oop, I think we lost our elf. I'm back. Sorry. I had to dispose of some evidence. Um, something that might upset the Nine? God, I hope not. Well, I hope so. Because while we were gone, I had to deal with uh, whoever was on the captain's deck blindfolding Shark, and I'm not sure what's going on here. Help me. <laughs> shark loves being blindfolded. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Alright. But yes, there was there was much stepping involved on both sides. Both sides were equally stepped on. Oh, I gotta be blindfolded for that. Except Aldrin. Aldrin was not stepped on, and he was very sad that he wasn't. <laughs> Poor dude was left out. Isn't that her brother? Oh yeah, that was her brother. Nice. He was the only one who did not get stepped on. And we feel sad for him. Rightfully so, that cuck. <laughs> pour one out for him, uh, I guess. So whoever sad. he is. No, no, no. Do not pour one out for him. He deserves everything he gets. Um, okay. <laughs> All right. More ale for me then. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm going to start this off with a quote. A wonderful quote from the Commander Zavala. Pour one out for Lance Riddick, the the amazing voice actor. Oh, mm. that guy fucking. I wish I could do it in his voice, but I can't, so I'll simply just quote it verbatim. The House of Wolves and the Awoken tore the reef apart, trying to get a tactical advantage. All the while, we were desperate trying to hold the walls against the Devils, the Kings, and Winter. It was one of the darkest chapters in our city's history, and in the history of the solar system. Commander Zavala, after the Battle of Twilight Gap. Hmm. I can hear it in his voice. Yes. So, 
the Refors is the name given to if you guys remember when uh, the house when the the great houses of the Woken not the Woken of the Fallen tried to attack the last city. The House of Wolves was the only one who didn't take part in the battle, and that was because they were ambushed by the Awoken. By so that is yes, uh, much to a lot of her, a lot of her people's like uh, like a lot of people got upset with her because of her decision to do that. But I'll get to that in a second. So the, the funny thing about the Reef Wars is that they're they were basically a series of skirmishes across the asteroid belt that actually lasted longer than the Battle of Twilight Gap. Like the Battle of Twilight Gap was a pro- prolonged siege and like overall like massive battle, but the Reef Wars lasted started before and lasted longer than the Battle of Twilight Gap. To like express just how long and how like insane this battle was. Now, the Reef Wars took part all across the Awoken uh, Sovereignty, so it's basically like all of the Awoken space. Best explain what Awoken space is than what, awo- what the Awoken um, area is. How do I put this? The, like, the asteroid belt is the asteroid belt. It has a bunch of asteroids in it, but the thing is that it's also full of dead spaceships because during the collapse, when uh, the darkness was attacking... A lot of spaceships actually tried to escape the solar system and tried to leave. The problem is, though, is that humanity was surrounded by the darkness. So these ships that were trying to leave and escape Earth basically ran right into the darkness. And the ships were crushed, crumpled, and destroyed, with the ships just being left a floating hunk in space. They were just left floating in space to be abandoned. And basically, imagine if the entire solar system was surrounded by space hulks in 40k. I mean, that wouldn't be out of place in 40k, so... Oh, no, not at all. And that's basically where the Reef is. The Reef is the name for the Awoken space. And it's called the Reef because it's the edge of the solar system. That's the way. That's what they call it. Yeah, so when I say the Reef, think of it as just... all. Think of it as the asteroid belt and everything further beyond that. It's a mass amount of space. And and this battle was it basically took part all across the entire um across all of the reef. And during this time, I kind of fibbed again a little bit when I said Skolas was the Kell of Wolves. He wasn't. He becomes the Kell of Wolves. And the Reef Wars is actually where he gets his start to become the uh Kell of Wolves. Um and also discusses what makes the Awoken such a insanely effective fighting force. Because the Awoken, they don't have Guardians. Like, well, they do. There are Awoken Guardians. But all the Guardians, um, you know, the immortal space wizards, they're on Earth. They're, they're mostly stuck on Earth and a little bit on Luna, but predominantly in, on Earth and everything else. So the Awoken, they don't have that. What they do have is some of the most extremely skilled warriors and star fleets imaginable. Like, they have... Like comparing them to elves is a very is a very um, appropriate thing to say because they are very skilled in basically every form of combat imaginable because they have such long lives they can train and perfect their techniques effectively endlessly. And so when you find an awoken who is in any part of combat, you can expect that they are masters upon masters when it comes to it. Like whatever, like basically, if you if you find a woken who's a, for example, a pilot, you can imagine he isn't just oh he isn't just a center pilot. No, he is a pilot who's been training for decades of endless decades, 
And now he's between decades, but he's been flying his ship and and performing dogfights in some of the most hazardous and dangerous environments imaginable. Again, the reef. The it's an entire like region of space covered in debris and asteroids. So so all right. So quick question: Queen Marasov is she a gar a an awoken guardian or is she just a just a regular awoken? She is just an awoken. Yeah, she is a awoken. I don't want to say she's a standard awoken because she very much is not. Well, um, because, well, I mean, well, <laughs> you know what I meant. You know what I meant. Yeah, yeah, but like, there's definitely different tiers of awoken as well because they have a a somewhat of a cast system. I'll cover it in a little bit, but if we end up doing an awoken episode, we end up doing an awoken episode. But yeah, so to go go over, yeah, they were extremely skilled, and this made them perfect to def- to basically fight the House of Wolves in their, you know, their scattered fleets and remnants. And because of this, during their during this war, the Kel of the House of Wolves, who was Virax, I will spell his name because that is a fucking V-ri... Rip Shark. Well, I can't read! <laughs> I can't even see anyway, so... <laughs> ah, yes, I forgot you're temporarily blind. <laughs> Very, very. Verixis, Verixis, Verixis. That's how, how it looks to me. But let me go grab my encyclopedia of how to pronounce names. <laughs> yeah, I got my little dwarven American uh, pronunciation going on here. I don't know what the fuck accent I was just trying to speak. <laughs> well, Virax. Virax <laughs> um, was basically he was effectively a, a pirate captain, for for the best way to put it. He was very prideful and egotistical of his of his rank and status and of the Awoken, because for reference, this is the first time that anyone in the system has actually faced the Awoken in proper combat. Like they're like people know of the Awoken, like there are Awoken guardians, but. When, when you say the Awoken, the Awoken are very much spoken of in hushed tones, very similar to like almost wood elves. They have the same kind of um, secret secretiveness as the wood elves in that, oh, there's a, there's people that live beyond the stars that live in the asteroid belt, but they're very hidden. Like, you know, you, you hear about that, but you're like, oh, they're probably just a small, like, maybe they're a small conclave. It's only when you actually go that they realize, oh no, this isn't just like a small community that lives on like a couple asteroids. No, this is an empire that is literally living in the entire asteroid belt surrounding our system with complex societies, with complex cultures that has centuries, if not thousands, if not in some cases, millions of years of history. And don't ask how they have millions of years of history because I'm not going into that right now. That sounds like a time, well, a lot of time wimey warp fuckery there. Sorry, I'm back. Wife wanted a kiss for, before she went to bed. Oh. Oh, I also have a bit of bed. He sneezed. He says hello. Hi. Damn. Loving your wife? Cringe. <laughs> Telling your kids cringe. hello? Cringe. But yes. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, there is timey-wimey bullshit involved with the Awoken, but that that's an Awoken episode, not a 
a fallen episode. Regardless, uh, Virax was very egotistical of his base of his station in this battle because it was basically like, oh, it's just the Awoken. They're just a couple like we know of these like corsairs that live in the in the reef, but they're not they're not anything big. Only to then be surprised as they chase like three ships uh, around like an asteroid, and they're realizing, oh, those three ships are actually part of a fleet of three hundred. Never mind. <laughs> And it, it, it's it beca- it's initially started off as like Viraxis being like, oh well, I can take them, and like they have so much supplies and loot because these people that Woken have in, have really advanced technology as well. Or so they're be- they're very much like, oh, go ahead. So would it be safe to say that they outnumber humanity, or is it still humanity outnumbers the them? Yeah, the Awoken. The Awoken, to my knowledge, outnumber humanity. Okay. I mean, given they control, yes. like, basically the whole area, like, just on the fringe of the solar system, that's a pretty large area. Yes, he says yes. Unfortunately, they do not remain the most numerous population for long. I will just let you know that now. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Yeah, there was a invasion that I'll get to for the for them, but... Uh, regardless, um, it basically basically became a battle where it's like, okay, well, we're gonna win. To eventually be going from, oh, well, okay, well, this battle's a lot harder than I initially thought, but we can still win. To, I've invested three years into this fight. I am not leaving at this point. I have given up too much to just turn tail and run. <laughs> uh, so, I should also note that uh, Viraxis. Actually, part of his fleet would actually regularly do battle with Marasov and her fleet. Because, like, while she wasn't a pilot, she was a captain of a fleet. So, like, it was basically, like, these two rivals, the Kel of Wolves versus the Queen of the Awoken. And they would regularly fight and, and like, face off against each other. And it was very much a prime thing for Viraxis, where he constantly underestimated the Queen... Because she's one, a female, and two, she's a human. I say in quotation marks. And three, she's small. Not because one, she's a human, so she's smaller stature. But she just doesn't have the status of, you know, being a Kel. So he mm. constantly, like, dismissed her. Also, he's to sexist, too. Realize, um, well, it's more, like, if she, was a, if she was a Kel, like, if she was a Fallen, and she had, like, the status and size of her, of her rank... Then he wouldn't care, but because she doesn't look like she's worthy of her station, like, I guess you could say he's sexist, but it's more just like, you don't look like a challenge, you don't look like you're worthy of being a queen, kind of thing. Mm. And, um, they would, like, it wasn't so much debate, it was more just, like, taunting and bantering. That was until, uh, Viraxis realized very quickly that while she might be, like, a simple human in form, the Queen of the Awoken Marsav is actually one of, if not the most powerful, Tekiun, which is basically a group of psychers, effectively. <laughs> hmm. The thing and the thing is though is that the Tekiuns are strictly a female organization that on, like only women can be Tekiuns. So it's like Sisters of Battle mm-hmm. if Sisters of Battle actually allowed for psychers. Yeah. And not only that, but, like, we're insanely powerful. <laughs> like, Sisters of Battle are already strong, but, like, imagine if they weren't just Sisters of Battle, but they were Sisters of Battle who were all, 
like some of the most powerful psychers in the galaxy. Hmm. Um, I should also mention that all female Awoken have a very minor psychic ability. Like uh, one one of the Awoken females, uh, Petra Venge, she is actually um, she has telekinetic abilities, but they're very minimal. Like the best she can do is like hover a knife in her hand for a couple seconds before it like falls to her hand. But that's considered like a very basic trick. Like it's a very, it's almost like a very, it's like something that all female Awoken can like do, and it's like for her, it's considered like what, like why do you want to see this? This is like child's play to me. But I should mention, Kate Six fucking loves it. Like he loved watching her do like Petra Venge specifically do the trick because, you know, it's it's a psychic power and it's not related to the light or the darkness. It's just psychic powers. <laughs> I bet he wants her to step on him. <laughs> no, K six loves someone else, and I mean he actually loves someone. So a colonel. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, they have a very minor psychic ability, but Mara is the most powerful, and she actually has a court of other women who are all called Tekiuns. Uh, so she has Shirochi, Jiraido, uh, and I think one more. I don't. Their names are kind of complicated, so I won't fully go over their names in, like... Like, I won't write their names, because there's no real point. But I will show the artwork of her. Um, Mara, Sav, and her court, um, when they work together, are very powerful. And, here, you know, I'll just ask you a question. When I say she's powerful and she has psychic powers... What do you think I mean by her being able to use psychic powers? Like, what do you imagine her and her court being able to do? Shark and uh, Jail. Well, Shark, you might know exactly what she can do, but... I do not. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm just thinking, like, the forced unleash scene where he pulls a yeah. Star Destroyer out of the sky. That's actually That's exactly what, I'm what I was about to say. So, Okay. So, you can say she can do that. You can say that she's able to move a Star Destroyer. But a more appropriate thing to say would be she can destroy an entire fleet of Star Destroyers. Total oh, we were half right. So, <laughs> so in one of the most insane cutscenes in all of Destiny, uh, you have Marasov and her court of witches. They're called witches. And what they do is the, is the four of them gather together. And they basically summon their powers together. And they form what are called... Fuck, what are they called? Obliter Oblivion? They call fucking Oblivion somethings. But they're basically... They're basically antimatter missiles. <laughs> Glorious. And... I should mention, and when they impact, they detonate, and they basically cause a chain reaction where they detonate into smaller ones that further spread and continue a chain reaction of explosions. <laughs> now, that's cool, but the thing is that when I say they're antimatter, it's more closer to, like, unreality. Because when they hit something, they literally erase that thing from reality. Like, as in it does not exist anymore. Like, nothing is left behind. Like, the thing itself should, like, there's no evidence of it existing in any shape or form. But doesn't that, like, <laughs> contradict, like, the law of physics that you can't cre create or destroy yeah. matter? 
Hmm. So they can basically just do what the what gave the emperor a stroke on a whim. Yeah. Well, it, it is exhausting. Like Mar, like when Mar and her techiums, uh, her techium court use it, they're exhausted. But then she like gets up after like a couple minutes, and then she's ready to go again. So. Hmm. Sounds like another scenario she's been in. <laughs> well. During the reforce, she was popping these off like crazy. So I mean, <laughs> now I'm gonna say just now, like Oldrinsov, her brother, he was also involved, and like I'm gonna say what he did, and then you're gonna be like, okay, but he didn't fucking destroy a star destroyer fleet, which is true, but it's still kind of cool what he did. <laughs> he was a really good pilot. <laughs> Oh, but he did. Oh. Must did he say, fog him. Did he still destroy an entire so, Star Destroyer th- fleet? No, I didn't think so. <laughs> no, but he is one of the. Well, he isn't one of the. He is the most skilled pilot to the point that he was out maneuvering several fallen ships at once and was able to defeat them just through simple maneuvering and his simple skill of ability. He's all. He actually went on to actually impress the fallen of House of Wolves. Because of both his speed, his skill, and his... How do I put this? His his willingness to throw his own life away to secure victory. Like, you know how Guts will willingly like get, let himself get stabbed if it means he can kill a demon, or an apostle, rather? Yeah. Aldrin Solves the type of guy who will fire a tactical nuke at you, and if you die one second earlier than he does, that's considered a victory. Okay. Dude doesn't mess around. Like if Yeah, like if your death happens even a second one second before he does, that's a victory. Like <laughs> I wish he would have died. <laughs> a lot of people wish he would have died. <laughs> I take it he's not the greatest character in Destiny. People don't like him because in when you first meet him, him and his sister have this really weird Lannister Cersei thing going on not it's not it's not oh. like you don't see it you get those vibes that's what's going on Ugh, I, I don't like either and, of them right now then but the thing is that in recent lore they really twisted it and made Aldrin go from you know well you know honestly I'm gonna be completely honest they did they did what Game of Thrones did they turned Aldrin from how Jamie is in the first book and in the first season to how Jamie is in the books following, like Mara's Mara's a cool character, but she's a bitch. <laughs> like she's really manipulative. <laughs> but this isn't this isn't fully a Mara Sav episode, and the the way she'll twist and confuse and manipulate her brother. So he probably enjoyed it. That's not to say. He's no, no, he actively there's to to put it bluntly, he actively compares himself to a dog on a very short leash, and he regularly tries to break free only to find himself dragged back to her feet. I don't oh. mind being on a leash, so <laughs> <sighs> to the point that he actively to the point that he does like he he stated that he does he basically acts out 
to try and see what he can get away with, to see where his freedom is. Like, he actively rebels against her to try and see what he's able to get away with, because he wants to know how free he actually is. Oh. So, yeah. Sounds like he's the victim in this. A little bit, but he's... He's also a little weird. <laughs> he's a little weird. <laughs> Space elves, am I right? Uh, Lannisters, am I right? <laughs> Space elf Lannisters. Hmm. That sounds awful. That's a bad combination right there. Yes. The thing is, though, is that you you know how I said that the Reef Wars lasted longer than the Battle of Twilight Gap? Yes. So, what do you think happened when the other houses, like, you know, Devils, Kings, Exiles, and Winter, what do you think happened when they were pushed back from Twilight Gap and they started realizing, hey, House of Wolves wasn't here and we lost because we didn't have them? Uh, I imagine they had a, a few uh, harsh words they wanted to say to the House of Wolves. And by harsh words, the oh, yeah. point, the pointy, the, uh, Open end of a barrel. A gun barrel. Yeah. Yes. Basically, a bunch of barons and captains started leaving those houses. Not leaving. But they basically, like, redirected their personal forces and made and made way directly for the Reef to basically seek revenge against the House of Wolves, only to then realize, oh, wait, the House of Wolves is here and they're fighting someone else. And these people have some really good shit. <laughs> <laughs> this it effectively turned into like a full-on war in the reef where all the houses were sending like captains and barons and their own like basically smaller forces to join to like fight in the reef mm-hmm. to basically try to stake their own claim it was almost like the new world where it was like hey not only is there stuff here like because they passed through the reef before but it was never like like they never considered the reef worth anything because everything that was worth of anything was hidden. And now everything has been revealed to them. So now it's like, oh, it's a full-on, everyone rush to the reef, take whatever you can, and fight whoever you can to take whatever you can. So it became a full-on war where all the houses were fighting each other and fighting the Awoken. And it, w- it basically led to a lot of death on all sides and a lot of a lot of the reef being raised and scorched and destroyed because of all this fighting. And... Ah. Yeah, in one of the space battles, the Kel of Wolves, Virax, basically an attempt to... It was basically like, hey, why are these, like, runs coming to say claim on my territory? This is my fight. This is my war. So in an attempt to prove himself, he basically tried to fight Marasov's fleet in, like, a final climactic battle to basically, you know, put an end to her, to, like, wipe her out. Mm-hmm. And Marasov, well... You know, antimatter meteors are a thing. So <laughs> she ended up basically his ship was flying into hers. He she used her reality bombs basically, and his catch. You know, the big star destroyer ship that thing just crashed down and it was destroyed, and Virax died. Now, what happened was that this basically ended that battle that caused all the House Wolves to scatter. And it caught, and when they scattered Marasov, basically in an act of mercy, and in a, and basically to stop the fighting because of how bad it was getting, she basically offered that the house should surrender to her, 
Like, hey, House of Wolves, I beat your Kel by your laws. You should surrender to me. Surrender. Surrender, and I'll let all this go. I'll let all bloodshed go. And that's it. Done. And while she made her offer, all the barons, all the archons, all these, like, members of the House of Wolves, there was, like, a moment of, like, well, what do we do? Like, they're all kind of huddling to themselves. You know, they're they're being they're being pirates. They're scheming. They're like, what do we do? Should we should we join her? Should we accept her? Or should we try and stake our claim? And that's where one baron, one little shit eating baron, known as Skolas, sorry to uh, sorry to think himself a bit too uh, big for his uh, for his status as a baron. Hmm. So. He basically, during one of these like meetings where all the barons and captains were gathered, he claimed that Virax was not slain in honorable combat. So, you know, the Fallen, you have to, you want to become Kel, you have to defeat the other Kel in 1v1 combat, right? Mm-hmm. Followed by some now, docking. Mm-hmm. Because, um, because he wasn't killed in, co- in 1v1 combat, he was killed in a space battle. It wasn't honorable combat, I say quotation marks. But not only that, but his body was not recovered. And so because his body could not be found, Skolas basically claimed that Virax wasn't dead, or if he was dead, Mara was not deserving of the title of Kel because she didn't respect the traditions that she claims to be respecting now. Now, that's that's kind of reasonable, right? That's kind of reasonable. He makes some good points. I mean, he's not wrong, but that's kind of stretching it a little bit. Ah, you see, you made a good point, Gerald. And that's why you'd be dead. Because Skolas had his own, um, I don't want to say personal army. It was basically his personal, um, elites. And they were called the Silent Fangs. And they were basically assassins. Like, assassins that Skolas personally trained and fought alongside. And the Silent Fang would basically be present when a baron or a captain um started expressing or had the or had potential to be more open-minded to um to joining forces with Mara or even just being a more peaceful and less warmongering individual so like let's say you you were like oh i don't think that's a good point like skolas like that's not a good idea and skolas is like oh fine whatever blah 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 and then you know the ship's part and suddenly your ship that you're on, that you, this one Baron is on, just explodes by accident. <laughs> Accidentally on purpose. And it's purpose. like, oh, well, yeah, and it's like, oh, suddenly this guy who was a a speaker for, you know, peace talks, who is more open-minded, suddenly he's gone. So now you don't have that voice anymore. Like, let's say there's four people arguing, and one person's talking about peace, and that person gets killed. Well, now the three people are arguing, and you don't have this balancing factor in there to, you know, help even everyone out. Now, Skolas... Yeah, now, not only did he kill people who had more open-minded ideas, he also started killing captains, but not barons. He only killed barons that had peaceful ideas or peaceful intentions, but he killed captains to those who were more, who were more war, more warmongering. And the reason why he would kill the captains of those who are, who who were more willing to fight is basically to further radicalize them. Like, let's say you're like, oh, we need to go to war, and then suddenly your lieutenant gets killed in battle, or gets 
Like, he gets killed in battle, but he was actually assassinated. You don't know that. Well, suddenly they're going to be like, oh, well, now we definitely need to go to war. He's basically radicalizing the radicals, and he was removing the uh, the more peaceful-minded individuals. Ah. Honestly, yes. I mean, as shitty as it sounds, that's genius. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And it was... You know, it was basically the War of the Five Kings where, like, everyone, where the House of Wolves was kind of breaking up into sub-factions over who was going to be in charge, what Baron was going to be in charge of what. And, you know, everyone was kind of staking their claim over who had what. Skolas had someone. Skolas had a treasure, a very important treasure under his command, under his control. And that was Varix the Loyal. Oh, yeah. It's all coming together. Oh. remember Varix with a mm -hmm. prisoner. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing, though. Varix was a prisoner, but he was a willing prisoner. Because while he was a prisoner of the House of Wolves, he willingly joined Skolas's force. Remember how I said Varix is, you know, he can have his manipulative moments? Yeah. Now, so, is, is, while Skolas... Is that willing as in, like, genuinely willing to join up with the House of Wolves, or is that, like, willing with, like, huge quotation marks? It was willing quotation marks. Like, he was a prisoner of the House of Wolves. Like, objectively, he was. Mm -hmm. But when all the barons are fighting, and, like, and like Varix had to decide if he was going to either get slaughtered or, like, get captured by any one of the other barons, he willingly chose to join Skolas, knowing full well what Skolas was doing. So basically, self-preservation, essentially. Ah, uh, yes, but but it gets more interesting because he was actually working with Skolas. Like it wasn't just like, "Oh, I'm joining you because I saved my life." No, it's, "Hey, Skolas, you should do this too." Hey, Skolas, I see what you're doing. Why don't you add some of this to it? Like he was, he wasn't just saving himself; he was supporting him in his own ways, providing him with effectively diplomatic, like teaching him diplomacy in a way. And teaching him uh, history about the fallen that Skolas either had forgotten, or was like, or like wasn't learned because the fallen are pirates now. Their history doesn't matter to most of them. And one of the things that Skolas learned from Varix was the prophecy of the Kell of Kells. It was something that Skolas learned from Varix, and something that he effectively adored. It was something that he became like his mantra. His his goal in life. It became his, effectively his religion in a way. It became something that he wanted to aspire to. And eventually, with the help of Varix being his, like being his diplomatic, his diplomatic partner and his own form of, you know, assassination attempt after assassination attempt after radicalized leader, he eventually was actually able to unify the extremely radical and militarized House of Wolves under him and basically became their Kel. Look at me. I'm the captain now. Now, this is where things get more interesting and more kind of, I guess, mean-spirited in a way. Because uh, Varix, as he's watching Skolas do these things, he starts to realize that while he is supporting Skolas, he starts to realize Skolas is going from like, oh, I'm assassinating and I'm radicalizing people, to starting to do things that like even the House of Devils don't exactly do. In terms of, like, barbarity. Now, that's saying something. What did they do? Yeah, and then Varix was like... Well, he was being... He was being... 
extremely cruel. Like, he was being extremely cruel for the fallen. And he was being very harsh with his punishments and began to see dissenters everywhere and started to see almost anyone as a challenge to his, to effectively his fantasy of becoming the Kell of Kells. And Varric started to realize, oh, I might have just turned this guy from, you know, a decent warrior and a decent leader into, um, into a fanatic, uh, a fanatic not okay person. <laughs> so basically, he turned him into a hammer, so now everything is a nail. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, he Skullos was already a hammer. He just turned him into a sledge. Eric just turned him into a sledgehammer. <laughs> oh, great, great! And everyone's yeah. a watermelon. Yeah. No, everything is still a nail. He's just hitting everything with a sledgehammer. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. And because Varix was both extremely ancient and extremely wise, he was also like one of the main uh, military support. He was basically like one of his supporters, his like hand of the king, if you will. Mm -hmm. And Varix started to realize, oh, I kind of don't like the horrors of war that Skolos is committing. Because again, Varix is all about bringing back the old ways. And so he assumed that by supporting Skolos and like you know, getting his hands dirty a little bit, Skolos would eventually bring the Fallen back into nobility. But instead, he started to realize, oh, Skolos isn't bringing us back to nobility, he's just bringing us further into barbarity and savagery. So, that's when Varix basically sent a message to Marasov and told her where Skolos was hiding and where he was going to plan his next attack. Because, you know, he's not doesn't want to fucking deal with Skolos anymore. Who would at this point? Yeah, I just find it hilarious that, like, he, he radicalized Skolos, and then he was like, oh no, I radicalized him, I gotta do something about this. It's like, there's hypocrisy there, and I find that hilarious on his part. So basically, he manipulated his way into radicalizing Skolos, so now he's manipulating Marasov, who also who also manipulates people into handling a mess that he manipulated himself into creating. Yeah. <laughs> Good yeah. job, Barrett. It's all proud of yourself. Everyone, well, again, in his defense, he saw Skolos as like, oh, he can be a unifying figure. He can bring us together, and like, yeah, we're gonna have to get our hands dirty, but eventually we'll be able to rise up out of, you know, this degeneracy and become something great. Only to realize, oh no, we're sinking deeper and deeper into <laughs> not okayness. Into debauchery! Into debauchery! Debauchery! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, with Varix being a two-timing bitch... Uh, Marasov was actually able to find and uh, capture Skolos because she found out because through Varix, basically Varix was like, hey, Marasov, yeah, you did kill our Kel, but like, if you really want to like subjugate the Fallen, you should probably do it in this way. Like, you should want to make it more public, more, more, you know, make sure everyone sees his defeat and his humiliation. And so Marasov was like, okay, just tell me where he is, and I'll just, like, I won't even kill him, I'll humiliate, I'll defeat him, and I'll humiliate him. Because it seems like that's what it takes to, like, make sure you guys submit to me. So, the, uh, Skolos got captured, and Varix was set free, I see in quotation marks. He basically just changed sides and joined the Awoken. <laughs> and Sorry, I was thinking of something funny. Yeah. Okay. 
but yeah, Skolas was captured, uh, humiliated, and thrown into the prison of elders, which I've mentioned before is just a prison for fallen. And while the majority of the fallen house did join the Awoken, like join them, a lot of smaller um, like captains and barons, they basically broke off and basically became like small fringe groups that still identified as House of Wolves, but they were like. The main House of Wolves was part of... It's very similar... Like, you know how the Stark Restoration is a thing in Game of Thrones? How, like, the Starks are basically extinct, but there are people who want to bring them back? Yeah. Yeah. That's basically what these guys are. They're like, oh, well, we can bring the House of Wolves back if we just stay together. Those guys join the Awoken? They're not. They're not House of Wolves. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So that's where you get the idea... That's where you get the cutscene of Marasov sitting on a throne with Awoken, or not with, uh, not Awoken, with Fallen around her. Ah. And it, yes, looks fucking cool, so I find it, but pretty interesting. Marsov being a little insane lady. I guess I'll go ahead and make the, tell the the funny thing I was thinking of when she's talking about, when you said she's talking about, you know, submitting, submitting to me, I'm, I was just thinking, I'm sure some people on the ship would just go, or all she had to do would, would is just ask, and some people on the ship would be more than willing to do it. <laughs> I mean, do you see her? Do you see this woman? <sighs> must resist, must resist, must resist. She Where's my Veala medallion? Where's my Veala medallion? <laughs> must resist, must resist. Also, for reference, this is what Skolas looks like. I'm saying it right now. Looks like an ugly guy. He looks like a bitch. Yeah, looks like a guy who can get beat by a queen of the Awoken. He does look mm. like one. <laughs> oh, now that's that's where the Awoken and the and House of Wolves are. As for the other houses, um, you have to remember this is after Twilight Gap, so not only were the Fallen pushed back, but now you have a major house that's basically been absorbed by the by the Awoken. So whatever houses are left, you know, the whatever's left of the Fallen Alliance, well, they did manage to kill, you know, hundreds of Guardians, like, given their permanent death. They weren't able to secure the victory, and this just drove all of the remaining houses, you know, Exiles, Kings, I say quotation marks, Kings, Winter and uh, Devils, into even darker and more desperate paths. Because their only hope, which was a combined unified force, fell apart. And they basically turned each other way worse than they'd ever done. It basically became a big game of pointing fingers of... You know how the Siege of Terra, all of the Traitor Legions started turning on each other in uh, Horus Heresy? Pretty much. That's basically what it is, where we're just like... Not only pointing fingers at House of Wolves, but because House of Wolves is gone now, they can't blame House of Wolves. So you had people pointing at fingers at House of Kings, because it's like, you brought us all together, this is your fault. Then you had House of Devils being blamed for not being savage enough. You had House <laughs> of Exiles being blamed for, you know, not being worthy of the title of House. You had House of Winter being blamed for stashing most of their best weapons and equipment away and not bringing it to the battlefield. You know, it was everyone was blaming everybody and everyone was just looking for an excuse to fight everybody else. So just like the Skaven, it's always everyone else's fault. Oh, yeah. In this case, it's every other house's fault. Hey, speaking of now, Skaven, what happened to Exo? 
You know, I thought I, I think the nine got him. I was gonna say I was beginning to think it was a little too peaceful on this ship, even with the nine almost like crushing but not crushing it. Oh, excellent! Oh, oh shit! I think I found it. Uh, his seat is gone. I may have accidentally hit the eject button. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> I'll start. I'm not sure on. if it's before or after the slip space portal. <laughs> Oh dear! Oh no! Oh my god! Are we still oh got. My god! Are we still got Slappy out there and somewhere in this mess? We gotta find him and bring him back home too. He needs to stop fucking up the Destiny and Halo universes. This is the problem. I'm looking at art to like send you guys, and one of the options was AI generated Marsov, oh, and another no. one of the options was. No, hang on, it gets worse. Another one was AI-generated Marasov R34. Oh, <laughs> no. Yeah. I prefer R18. <laughs> you know, it does not look bad. It does not look like her at all, but it does not look bad. And that's a save for later. Well, I'm going to send it so you guys can see it. It does not look like her. Because one, it's she looks human and she has blonde hair, not fucking silver skin or like purple skin and silver hair oh my but it's not bad i'm just saying regardless so yeah the, the all the houses have been against each other and if that wasn't bad enough uh because of the barbarity that house of devils was basically going down um they drew the attention of one saint 14 who me and exo have talked to before you know, the guy who, if he's ever let off the leash, um, would be a problem. Sounds like he and Emil from Noble Team would get along very well. Yeah. To put it bluntly, uh, Saint 14 found out that the Fallen were eating children. And because one group of Fallen were eating children, he decided all Fallen were worthy of the same amount of brutal and painful death. <laughs> <laughs> He was very much stereotyping them all as children eating monsters. Mm, hey, you don't know you don't know the kind of stuff he's seen. Well, he is like one of the oldest guardians, so I mean He's probably seen some shit. Yeah. So this began Saint Fourteen's one man war against the fallen in what are called the Crusades of Saint Fourteen, where he was basically like live die repeat endlessly trying to hunt the fallen down. Uh, despite everyone telling him not to, because again, the city just got sieged, the walls got breached, guardians are dead. Like, yeah, it's a victory, but it is not a, it is not a certain victory. And you have one of your greatest warriors literally like, fuck it, guys, let's get him, and just fucking leading the charge and just not turning around. So you're basically saying he is the, is he is the king of fuck it, we ball. Basically, yeah. What's Glorious. super funny is that you meet him in game and he sounds like a really nice Russian grandpa or like uncle. Like he's a really nice guy. But then you're like, oh, you have definitely committed a lot of war crimes. Like the <laughs> fallen are terrified of you. <laughs> like you are there. Like you are the equivalent of like the Spartans demons, like the demons to the covenant. <laughs> and to express how strong he is. Because, again, Marasov took out one of the Kells, and she has, you know, fucking nuke reality bomb powers. Saint-14 just hunted them, 
and found the Kell of the House of Devils, which you can imagine him being in a room full of, you know, skulls and bones and sitting on a throne of rusted nails and barbed wire and rhubarb and just fucking gloating and laughing maniacally while he's covered in blood. You guys might... No, you're laughing. But I am legitimately serious. That is literally how their lair looks. It is literally the floor lined with skulls and spikes. And fucking... Yeah. Sounds like Corn like paid it, them like a visit. Oh, 100%. They would definitely... Fantasy is for the weak. They would definitely fall to <laughs> Corn if they were in 40k. <laughs> Either corn or um, they would either fall to corn or Vashtor. Ooh, yeah, because they are very willing to mutilate their body if it means they get to be better killing machines. That's like weapons of mass they, destruction type stuff. So uh, yeah, I could see that. I could see it being Vashtor. And then even if they, and even if you say don't want, like, let's say you're a fallen who's like, hey. You know, I don't really want to, you know, become like a half cyborg killing machine. Oh, that's cool. Too bad. <laughs> you're getting it anyways. Yeah, we're going to rip off your legs while you're awake, and then we're going to attach improper, it's basically swords as legs. We're going to turn your legs into, we're going to place your legs with fucking swords, and you're going to constantly be in pain as you walk. That makes that me think of those. That makes me think of those trolls that were like deliberately. Like had their eyes changed shut and like all their limbs replaced with uh, maces and uh, hammers, like in the what's the hobby movie? Oh, Battle of Five Armies. <laughs> that clusterfuck of a movie. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> so that's basically what it is. <laughs> mm. So yeah, you have Saint Fourteen fighting the Kell of Devils, and he wins. It almost kills him though, but he act- but he ends up kill- successfully killing their. Uh, their Kel, which you kind of would imagine that to be like, you know, when a Kel dies, it's kind of a crippling thing, because like, you have the three pillars, you have the trinity of leadership, you have the Kel, you have the Archon Prime, then you have the uh, the Prime Servitor, um, and normally when one of them dies, the two, like, the two pillars can like, hold on long enough for a replacement to fill in for the third. Well, the issue, though, is that instead of having a replacement, the Archon Prime, known as Axis, decided, you know what? I could make a pretty good Kel. <laughs> Fine. I'll do it myself. The Archon Primes, they're the, you know, they're the machine guys. They're the guys who are, you know, they're, they're the tech priests, effectively. Except these are the House of Devils tech priests. Ooh. So now, and you know, that's a political spiritual leader. But now I want you to imagine not only is he like the Pope, but he's also the king. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because like, you know, you're the king, the Pope, and then like the, the Holy Spirit, which are the servitors. This guy's like, hey, I'm going to become the fucking king at the same time. So, you know, he's not great. He is not great. And to demonstrate his like brutality, well, I don't want to say his brutality. His ego, effectively, is a better way to put it. He decides that he's going to abandon the main layer of the um, Mason House Devil's main layer, which is in the Cosmodrome of Old Russia. And he's going to lead a campaign of reconquest, where he's basically going to search the world, like Earth, for all the Golden Age weapons and technology he can find 
to basically basically amass an army of really bad, not okay fallen. Yep, that sounds like a Vastor thing. Yeah, and he disappears and is not seen for a long time, so you don't see Axis until very very much later. So, at this point, put put Axis and his you know his escapades on the board of like plot points for later. But just hmm. know, House of Devils has a Kel, and it's their Archon Prime, and he is not a good person. Well, not all all fallen, not all good people, but <laughs> this guy's particularly not great. <laughs> And depending on how you view it, and depending on how you read certain cards, it's kind of implied that Axis actually let the Kel die. Not let him, but he basically led Saint-14 to the Kel to let him die. Yeah. He also, to further, I guess, push his authority, he put a Archon Rising, which is basically you have... To, to, to go over Archons very quickly, like their, their train of command... You have scribes, which are effectively like the lowest tier. It's a, it's basically a archon in training. All they do is record information and are kind of doing somewhat field repairs. Then you have the splicers, which are people who start getting cybernetic implants and are like doing further in-depth repairs and have a greater understanding of technology. And they're also like hackers. Then you have the archon rising, who are a step above that. And then you have the archon prime. So he basically was like, hey. Archon Rising, you're in charge of the layer now. I'm gonna go do my thing. He fucking leaves. So he basically puts he basically puts an Archon Rising in charge of the of the main layer. <laughs> okay. Now, why he did this? Um, I'll just let you guys guess on why he did that. But all you need to know right now is Axis has very important ideas on his of what he wants to do. <laughs> well. This is basically where Destiny 1 begins for the Fallen, I guess, as I put it. Because this is basically where you would start the game off. Because one of the first Fallen bosses you see in the game is that is that Archon Rising. And when you first see him, he is terrifying. Because like you're like, oh no, I am, I am just a new Guardian. I am a new Light. I am a Blueberry. This is not okay. <laughs> this is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um <laughs> eventually though uh after after some attempts and getting stronger the vanguard and the guardians and your character managed to actually defeat the archon rising but like like that's an achievement good job yeah you know fantastic. applause good job but then you're like oh wait you just killed like like second like i'm saying second in command but like mm. there's like how many archon risings so yeah oh uh, so you only got like number two <laughs> whoops yeah <laughs> it's like oh no that's that's great good job like again good job you killed an archon but there's like how many more archons are there <laughs> <laughs> yes just yes 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 However, because you because you managed to kill the Archon Rising Rixis, you act his death because he's in charge of the main layer. That's also where the prime servitor is. So if you remember the servitors are in charge of running Ether for everybody. Yes. Because he's dead, because the uh, Rixis is dead, the Archon Rising, there is technically no one to protect the Prime Servitor now. 
And this is something that quickly gets noticed by uh, Hunter Scouts, who realize, oh, wait, if we can't find the Archon Prime, he's not anywhere near old Russia. That means that their Archon Prime must be vulnerable. This is like the perfect time to strike. We have to defeat the Fallen. Like, you know, this is effectively, let's deal a crippling blow to the Fallen as soon as possible while we have the chance. Because, you know, if, if the Archon Prime realizes, oh, the guy I put in charge is dead, I have to come back. This is the best time to capitalize. And this is where the uh, Sepix Prime strike starts, which is a strike you can take place in the game. But effectively, all you really need to know what happens is, gar is a group of guardians basically traveling to the heart of old Russia into an old, into an old uh, radioactive cosmodrome where the devils have set up their lair, which, like I said, is littered with skulls, bones, blood, and shit. And they actually find that it's extremely well fortified and just littered with foam, like hundreds upon hundreds of fallen... And that uh, the Archon Prime, the, not the Archon Prime, the Sepix Prime, which is the name of their uh, of their Prime Servitor, it's actually been like hiding inside the core of this uh, facility, and has been absorbing and feeding off the latent nuclear energy to create ether. So it's basically been like it's basically been feeding off uh, the energy that's been left over to like provide ether. And I don't want to say you you should feel guilt because like you shouldn't. But, like, it's not turning people into ether. It's just turning, like, latent energy that's kind of being left over into ether. So, I mean, like... So, like... It wasn't hurting. So, would you say biomass, maybe? Um, yeah. Effect, like, um, how it works is the servers can turn organic matter and biomass into ether. But they can turn energy into ether as well. But they don't have as much... What's the word? Like if they turn biomass into it, you get it's it's really good ether. But if they take if it's a new like if it's energy that's just existing in the world, um, it takes a lot longer to produce ether. Ah. Uh. So you get less. Yeah. So like, you know, it it's not hurting anybody. You can let Sepix Prime him alone. Like, don't hurt him. He's just a big giant ball. <laughs> it's a little vegetarian ether. Yeah, he's a vegetarian. Exactly. <laughs> he's 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 just a veg he's just a vegetarian. He's not a bad guy. <laughs> Don't hurt him. No, never. He didn't hurt anybody. <laughs> this is a picture, by the way, of Sepix Prime. No, that doesn't hey. look like something that would hurt somebody. No, he's all nice and so cute. I just want to pet him. I want one. <laughs> I mean, you can have one. Some of them are the size of beach balls. <laughs> See, look, here's a picture of Sepix Prime in a different form with his babies. This is him in a different. This is him in a different form, by the way. But here's his babies. He has three of them. Oh, look at all the cute babies. <laughs> yes, I want to adopt them. <laughs> all of them. All of them. I must adopt all of them. I would like to pet these creatures. <laughs> so, you know, Suffix Prime is dead. And this is effectively considered the... I say the death of House of Devils, but it's not. <laughs> but, like, like, I just told you, like, their fucking Kel Prime Archon guy is, like, hidden away somewhere. Like, no. <laughs> 
No. No, they're not dead. No, Bayway, they're not <laughs> dead yet. Worst part is, the worst part is the city thinks they're dead. Like, the city thinks, oh, we just defeated a house, which, I mean, yeah, you defeated one of their layers. Like, round of applause, you defeated one of their layers, and you defeated their prime servitor, which is going to cripple them. But you didn't kill their leader. <laughs> However, um, because because the like the last scene, the guardians think that the house of devils is dead. All the other houses also think they're dead because again they lost their Kel and they lost their Archon Prime as far or they lost their uh, their server Prime. So as long as all the houses are considered, they should be dead. Like oh they're gonna they're they're going to die eventually. Like there's no way they can retain their power base. They're going to collapse eventually. So all the houses start to basically try to capitalize on it and try to you know. Try to take advantage of the fact that House of Devils is weakened. Um, House of Exiles basically becomes the new... They basically start stealing a bunch of the dregs. Because it's like, mm -hmm. oh, look, look, all, your Archon is your Archon has abandoned you. Come join House Exiles where you'll be, you know, you'll be a communist and you'll be a communist uh, <laughs> fallen. Oh, boy, We're can... all equal here. Oh, boy, I can hear the Russian National Anthem playing. Uh... Guess what House of Winter did? Guess what they did? Yeah, they're the tech guys. Um, I don't know. You got me. Bribes. They went to, <laughs> bribes. They went to House of Devil's Lairs, and a, a lot of them were built in like cosmodromes and like you know ancient science bases. And they specifically went for those ones in particular and started ransacking and destroying them to steal whatever equipment and technology they could and left like they like they they didn't kill them like they would attack them but rather than going and slaughtering everyone it was literally just we're going to go in and take your shit and leave <laughs> all right smart smart <laughs> uh, and it's who, just who like are you going to say are you, yeah, are you gonna fight Fawn who come in with like personal energy shields and cloaking ability? No, you're gonna give them your shit and hope they don't kill you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they also spitefully destroy whatever they couldn't take. <laughs> oh, forgot to mention that. So basically, if they can't have it, no one can. Yeah, they torched a bunch of the layers, but only the layers had you know technology in them because this thing has a supercomputer that we can't take with us. Torch it. <laughs> And then House of Wolves was House of Wolves. They didn't really. They were. They're. They're barely a house at this point. And then House of Kings didn't react. Like while well, the houses were capitalizing, House of Kings was the only one that didn't do anything. Because they're basically like playing 4D chess, Alpha Legion, Inner uh, Dark Angel, Inner Circle, Secrecy bullshit. Yeah, effectively, yeah. They were doing their thing. Oh, well, but they, else they do something checkers. later. Yeah, they do something later that was kind of weird, but I mean, it was kind of interesting. So after human after humanity defeats the House of Devils, we decide that we're going to attack the Moon because there's a wizard that lives on the Moon. Hmm. Uh, jokes. <laughs> Basically, we we we've saved Earth effectively. I don't. We haven't saved Earth. There's so many parts of Earth that are still need to be recaptured and saved, but you know. As far as the last city is concerned, we saved Earth. And so that means we can go to the moon <laughs> where we find House of Exiles because that's where they set up. And because they have so many more dregs now, House of Exiles is making very aggressive raids 
because they're like, oh, we got an influx of Fallen now. We can actually start making aggressive attacks, which they do. They start making attacks against the Hive, which are the... Have you seen the Hive yet? Um, I might be getting them and the Vex confused. The Fallen, the Hive, the Cabal, the Vex, the Hinge, the Recidivism, the Felch. Mm-hmm. I will send a picture of... Because the Vex are the robot-looking ones, right? Yes. Okay. And then the Hive are the... I don't want to say the bug ones, but they're... They're, they're kind of buggy, but they're not full bugs. So how can you say how can you say how can you say hive and not think of bugs? Yeah, that's what they look like. I'll send one. Buffed tyranids. <laughs> <laughs> They're cooler tyranids. They're not hive mind tyranids. <laughs> Watch out, you might get a cease oh, and desist got... from G Dubs. Hang on, I gotta send a picture of Moth Mommy. Moth oh, no. Mommy. Oh, Moth oh. Mommy, there we go. Oh my. Ooh. Yeah. Now that thing looks like it's got a cloaca. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> we all like Sabathoon here in our Sabathusy. Ooh. Here's the last one. I'll send this is the last one I'm sending. But you know, how do you look at these guys and say, yeah, we are willingly gonna go to war with these guys? But, you know, the Fallen sure did. The Fallen House of Exiles sure did. <laughs> they just need that dub well, so they got bad. That, yeah, they got that rivalry. They don't like each other very much. Yeah, I mean, they both have the moons. I mean... A wizard are, from the moon? Yes. Although, I certainly wouldn't want to fight someone who's, who, who a single sword swing cracked the fucking moon. But, you know, that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm just saying. The last time the hive fought the fall, the fallen fought the hive. It did not end good for the for the fallen. <laughs> but uh, yeah, on one of those raids though, because they they've been leading countless raids. Because basically the hive are the are base. They basically hollowed out the moon, and turns like basically an entire like nest where they've conquered. And then the fallen are based on the surface of the moon, and they're trying to like fight their way into this into the core of the moon effectively. And on one of these raids, um, Figoris, who is a House of Exiles Baron, actually is one of the most prominent of their barons, and is actually one of the first barons to help form the, the House of Exiles. And one of the reasons why is because he's very much a... He's very much a... I don't want to say communist, I'm making a lot of communist jokes. But he's one of the most fair barons... Because like he's very he's 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 constantly successful, and he's and a lot of his raids basically result in in like all of his followers getting a decent supply of loot and stuff. So like, you would want to work under him. And because it's not your loot; on one it's of everybody's it, loot. It's everybody's loot. <laughs> and on one of his most daring raids, because this guy's making progressively more extreme and daring raids. Um, he actually tries to lead one that would have done a massive blow to the hive as a race, like a massive blow to them, if he would have succeeded. And it was because of how devastating this blow would have been in the long term. Like if he would have crippled the hive, he would like the house of exiles would have exploded in strength. They would have probably taken the moon and turned it into their own fortress, and that can't happen. 
So because of this, the Guardians realized, oh no, we need to do something about this. Mm-hmm. So in a in a, in basically a, a decapitation strike, groups of Guardians were sent to both fight the Hive and the Fallen, and basically try to like cripple both forces and try to basically force Figorus out, or at least try to like force him out and stop him in the middle of his raid which they did in the middle of a fight where he was trying to assault the hive. They were able to assassinate him, which mm. was good. Like it was great. They, they killed him. But one of the coolest things about it is that when he died, um, the fallen that were under him, they didn't flee. They didn't run. Like they didn't, you know, they would normally leave instead of leaving. They chose to fight and die because Figoris died. Because their commander, their baron, died, they were willing to die alongside him and die doing as much damage to the hive and the guardians as possible before they died. Hmm. To both honor him and to try and like ensure that the next attack that the fallen have is more successful. Oh, yeah. So not all fallen are bad, or rather, they're bad, but they have more depth than just you know. And then just aliens yeah, which I appreciate. And then the hive, the hive kind of got off, got free. I mean, yeah, they took damage, but it was kind of just like, oh, I mean, thanks, guardians, thanks for, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, this is a total human victory. <laughs> Six you million know, deaths, total just, victory. I mean, we lost. I mean, we didn't lose guardians, but. I mean, we kept the hive alive, and they still controlled Moon, and we kind of crippled. We kind of we didn't even cripple. We we stopped a raid on House on the House of Exiles. But yes, this is a total human victory. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you kind of see how humanity is like scraping the ball of the barrel for what we consider victories. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. Luckily, this is the luckily the next incident because like. This is basically a roulette table of, like, every single house getting their shit wrecked, effectively, by the last city. And next on the table, next on the chopping block is House of Winter. Because, basically, Hunter Scouts and uh, Hidden Scouts, which are basically equivalent to Warlock Scouts, um, they discover that a the, that the Kel and the Ketch of House of Winter is actually on Venus. Which doesn't seem like a big deal, like, oh, it's on Venus, whatever. The thing is, though, is that Venus is where the hot, is where the Vex are. And the reason why Winter is there is because not only is Venus a home for the Vex, it's also the place where the Ishtar Sink is. For reference, the Ishtar Sink is equivalent to, how would I put it? Not Oni. Um, in Halo, is there a company that is, like, really in charge of really intense scientific progress? Um, for the most part, it's just Oni. Okay, I guess Oni would be a good example. I guess, although they commit way less war crimes. Well, maybe that's a lie because they once trapped people in a simulation and made them live for six million years, constantly suffering, begging to die. So I mean, maybe Oni's a good example. <laughs> <laughs> Oni's kind of kind of likes to double do a lot of double dipping. Okay, well maybe. But regardless, um, yeah, they were basically attacking Venus because one of the, it's basically the science center of the human race, besides Earth anyway. 
and they're like, hey, well, we're going to take Venus because it has Vex technology and human technology. And the Guardians were just like, hey, you know what? Let's fucking get them. <laughs> like, they're, they're fucking Kellas on Venus. We can't, like, we're not going to lose anything if we at least try. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, okay. <laughs> Good job, guys. So, you know, Venus... Venus is basically being raided by like, and I don't just mean like Venus. I'm like, cause when you people, when you, when people think of like a planet, they think, Oh, one city or one fortress is being raided. No, I mean the planet itself is being raided by the fallen. <laughs> so basically an attempt to find and like force out the Kel, the Vanguard, again, the leaders of the last city commence a bunch of decapitation strikes. So like, Hey, like kill any commanders, kill any generals, kill anyone. And try to find out any intel on where the catch is, where the kel is, anything. And eventually, after a series of missions, the the catch is found. And that's when a massive, uh, well, I don't want to say massive, a fire team of guardians go into the Semix Fell, which is the name of the catch of the House of Winters. And they basically have to fight through their House of Winters, so they have the best technology out there. The most well-armored, most well-trained, uh, and most well-equipped Fallen in the system. Mm-hmm. Before eventually fighting their Kel, Draxus, who is even more armored and uh, augmented. But, you know, we're the main characters, so he's going to die. Like, <laughs> Of course, because plot armor. Like, yeah, because, you know, sorry guy, you're dead. <laughs> I think I but, vaguely remember these missions in the first Halo, or not Halo, uh, Destiny. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Now, we killed Draxus, which is good. But remember, House of Winter has money. Because <laughs> they, they like money. Kind of, yeah. They bribe a tennis. The guy who killed Andal Brask. Because you know he's a very renowned fa- fallen, in, and he's he has he has no house. He's basically a mercenary fallen who can work for any of the houses. And basically, House Winter um, bribe him. They don't bribe him. They basically pay him in wealth and in technology, and they offer him all this equipment, all this stuff, everything he needs to break into the prison of elders and free basically uh, one of their archons, one archon in, in particular, because. He basically got captured in a Reforce, and he had a lot of potential to become a Archon Prime. So basically, the idea was to do what House Devils did, and get an Archon to become the Kel of the house. And so they had him do that, and now I already went over how the Reef is not to be messed with. Uh, Tenex messed with them, and he mm. got out fine. I was gonna say, so it seems like some people just never learn. Yeah. I mean, Tanix got out fine. He is fucking... I don't even... Like, he got out fine. Like, he... I mean, he, he fought the... He fought the Awoken. But he got in and he got out. And he brought... And he brought back the Archon. Which was in this massive, like, prison center. And because we find out... Oh, no. They're gonna get, you know, some some leadership back. Uh, the Guardians have to end up trying to stop this from happening. And stop the Archon from being set free. But unfortunately, he is, and this ends up resulting in that Archon needing to be assassinated. But, I mean, typical mission stuff. Here's where the fun thing happens. Tanix is there. Like, Tanix is there during the fight, 
watching us fight House of Winter's Archon and fight House of Winter, and Tanix leaves. <laughs> Do you know why he leaves? Because you're wiping out his competition? No, because he was only paid to rescue the Archon, not to keep him alive or help the house any more beyond that. Mm. He is very, uh, by the, by the numbers. Yep, he is the Chad, because he's like, you guys paid me to bring him here. You guys are the one who got him dead. I'm out. I did my job. <laughs> I'm out. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Well, it's not like, like, Tanix has killed Guardians. There's no reason he couldn't kill, like, three Guardians. But it's, like, it's because he's killed Guardians before. He killed Anno Brask. He fucking, like, I went over how he tormented uh, Kate Six and his four, five other Guardians and made them go through, like, torturous ex like torturous experiences because he wanted to make them suffer and humiliate them. So the fact that he was fighting three Guardians who were basically haphouse put together to try and stop this mission that was planned by him... By House of, and they were fighting House of Winter and his own force. Like, he could have easily fought the Guardians and, and, if not killed them, at least saved the Archon. But no, he was just like, nope, you guys only paid me to bring him here. That's all I'm doing. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing out. my job. <laughs> that is not my job. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a delivery guy. <laughs> Fuck you guys, I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, Janik's just so cool. But he's very much as how many times I teach you this lesson, old man. <laughs> how many times am I going to teach you this lesson, old man? All right. You guys ready for House of Kings? Because that's our favorite house, objectively speaking. The Kings. The most based house. Yes. So there was a Vanguard strike where we are effectively, where the Guardians are trying to lead an assault against a, um, against the Hive. To try and kill one of their, um, basically one of their uh, w wizards, which is basically one of their, um, you know, it's their it's their wizard cast. But the wizards are also part of their. Um, they basically help nurture and uh, help grow new new hive. And basically, we're trying to assassinate them to prevent the birth of new hive and stop the hive from expanding and multiplying. And actually, during this assassination attempt, while before we could actually deliver the killing blow on this wizard. A Baron of the House of Kings intercepts with his house because we're fighting near his near near the House of Kings territory, and he actually intercepts, gets basically gets involved in the fighting. The wizard escapes, and we actually fight the Baron instead of the wizard, and end up actually killing him while the wizard escapes. Mm. Don't mind me, I'ma just grab my stuff and leave. Excuse me, please. Now, the ghost the. The ghost and the vanguard explain that there's no reason why a baron of the House of Kings should have gotten involved. Like, like he could have easily like either let his own fallen take care of it, or he could have just left us to kill the hive. So why would he get involved in the fight and actively throw himself, like throw his own life away to save that hive? So why would no? Because that hive is important and may or may not become a integral part in a future DLC. Mm. But this okay. is about the hive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, but it definitely raises questions as to why would you do that? But then you're like, oh wait, I guess because that wizard is kind of important, but it's still the enemy. But you're the House of Kings, so like, you guys are basically the Alphalesian. 
Alpha Legion smells sus. Yeah. Always. Yes. And I think it's just funny because, you know, House of Kings, like, out of all these houses, House of Kings gets through this with, like, the least defeat. Like, you know, I mean, I guess House Exile, too. House Exile gets... Oh, wait, consider that. House Exile and House Kings get through this whole event scot-free, but Devils, eh, they're fine, I guess. It's but Winter like... is fucking just wrecked. It's almost like they planned it. Hmm. That's so interesting. Uh, but that's that's where the base game of Destiny One follows for the for the Fallen. But where we're gonna continue on is the most fun part, because this is the Wolf Rebellion and the return of Skolas, the Kell of Kells. Hmm. That bitch. Yes. Because this is where the Wolf Rebellion begins. Because the Wolf Rebellion is basically the Red Wedding of Destiny. Ooh, you have me at Red Wedding. Yes, sounds really cool, huh? Pretty cool by Dothraki standards, if I recall correct. Too bad there's not very much information on it. Damn it! <laughs> well, there's information on it, but it's very sparse with what could be given. But this is also where the Nine get involved. <laughs> oh. So things got so bad, because you had to get literal God involved. Well, she didn't have to get them involved. But she really likes her brother, and her brother was being a dickhead at the time. Basically, there was a part of space that you're not supposed to go to because that's the Nine's territory. And like even Marasov recognized, yeah, we should probably not go there. And Aldrin was like, yeah, but like, what if we did? So... He's like, I'm going to go there. Don't go there. Too late. I'm already there. <laughs> I changed my mind. I changed my mind. I heard God's there. I want to see. So, you know, this, how do I put this? Let's see. Should I follow my notes or should I just fucking ad lib this? You know, I think I might go my notes. My notes are way more, might be more accurate to this. I was going to say you have um, notes. I thought, so fuck it, we ball, man. Aldrin goes to where the nine are, even though he's not supposed to. And to give it as, to follow my notes as accurately as possible, the Nine are an unknown group of alien entities that claim to predate humanity, and they also claim to be neutral in the war between the light and the darkness, simply stating that they will stand beside the victor. Hmm. True neutral. And... Scary. Yep. Not only that, but they will... But they but they do regularly play both sides against each other. Is this like some kind of cosmic game of just them dicking around just to see what happens? Or is there some kind of grand plan, quote unquote? This isn't a nine episode. (laughs) Fine. But I will say that they are known to offer some of the most powerful weapons and equipment to those who are willing to play their games and pay their tolls. Because I made the joke earlier, like, oh, they want, like, a a penny. They want a specific penny. That is not a joke. The Nine have some of the most, like, obscure and, like, unorthodox forms of currency and payment. And they will, like, you could probably, like, you could find a coin on the floor. This really weird coin that's kind of just abnormal. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, 
Uh, the tentacle face guy that I mentioned that I mentioned earlier with the tentacle faces, he might just show up at your house someday. Like he might just be in the corner of your house, and you might not even realize until you have that coin that you notice him just standing there silently. And then you might go up to him, and he might talk to you, saying he speaks for the nine, and his will is not his own. And are you willing to pay the toll? And then and then you offer him that coin, that just random coin that you found on the floor, and this coin that has basically no worth. To you in any way, shape, or form, he offers that to you. You offer it to him, rather. And he gives you one of the most powerful and dangerous weapons in the universe. They have a very warped sense of value. Are you willing to play their game? Are you willing to pay their toll? Are you willing to entertain them in any way, shape, or form? Thing is, if what yes, if... Then... Well, the thing is, what if my payment, quote-unquote, is not good enough? What if I don't entertain to their expectations of what would happen to me. Are you not entertained? <laughs> you are not worth their time effectively, and you might end up suffering horrendously. Well, fuck, I'm not as good a bard as you are, so what what value do I have to them? Show me oh, but here's the thing, though. They don't just, like, it isn't just coins. Like, it isn't just more value. They could take things that I'm going to get to right away that have a different form of value. So, for example, when Mara makes a deal with the Nine, she wants she wants her brother back, and for and for like information and stuff like that. You know, she's trying to make a bargain with them, and all the Nine wants they don't want you know glories or riches. They don't want anything like that. They just want one thing. They want Skolas, just Skolas. Hmm. Give the, give them this Kel, and in return, they she can have her brother back and a bunch of like information and like secrets that they hold for themselves. Now, when you look at that in like a trade agreement, you're like, so wait, I give you a prisoner of war who's rotting in a cell that I don't even like, and you give me all this inform and you give me all this stuff. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, you can see how their 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 form of value is interesting. Now, this deal is what I would call a fucky-wucky, a big bad idea, a, a big no-no, if you will. Okay. Unfortunately, Mara takes the deal because, again, she's she loves her brother so much, I must take care of him. And then I'll sh- And how do you think it looks when the person that she defeated in battle... She's basically just sending away. She's effectively exiling him. She's effectively, in a way, setting him free. I think the fallen, who are very traditional, very noble in their own way, very militaristic, feel about her effectively not only disregarding their traditions, but like letting, but setting the general that they followed and that she, in a way, honorably defeat. I think they feel about her just letting him go. Um. I mean, that would probably, if I was a Fallen, I'd say that just come off as like a complete slap to the face, or whatever they have that's considered a face. And so, yes. they turn on her. Oh, but it gets worse, because her Awoken also don't like that. Because the Awoken, knowing that they not like Mara going to war with the, with the Fallen in the first place, because they actively said, don't go to war with them, just let us stay isolated and safe. Again, she went to war with them, so this whole mess is technically her fault. But now it also makes her look like a weak queen in their mind because she's effectively cowing to another force. She's effectively submitting to another force and 
basically submitting to their demands of giving her, giving them a hostage effectively. So basically, to everybody, she done goofed. You done goof. Yeah. So do you see how the the nine's payment, like on the surface of it, it seems very straightforward. Like, oh, this has no value compared to what I'm getting. But then you start to realize, oh wait, this thing that I'm giving you has way more value in other forms than just monetary. But it's still basically at the complete whim of at at their complete whim because of what they deem is their yeah. value in one way, shape, or form. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. It's kinda like those odd like fairy tale stories you like you don't really hear about as a kid because of how gruesome they can be and it's like it, it's like the weird set of rules that like the fair that the fey folk or whatnot follow and like one guy was actually able to was given a task to catch a woman riding a horse but the horse was so fast like it ended up killing the horses or you know the horses that were chasing them well then the guy just says hey can you stop for a second and so the lady and the horse just stop and that's how he's able to get it because all he had to do was just ask so is just like yes. completely weird and random rule sets that's only really yeah. makes sense to them. Yes. Now, that's interesting. Now, what if I told you it gets worse for everyone involved? Well, was, this wouldn't be Grimoire if things didn't get worse. Yes, because almost immediately after Skolos was given to the Nine, they released him. And not only released him, they gave him visions of an impending catastrophe and equipment and weaponry, including a catch seemingly out of nowhere. Again, a catch is their flagship. It's their fucking Star Destroyer. And the Nine just had one. Damn. They gave him that, gave him visions, and they gave him a bunch of weapons and equipment to effectively start his house anew. No. Was it? Did he have to do do anything or give up anything in return for all of this, no. or did they just give it to him freely? They gave it to him freely. And what did they give Marasov in exchange for letting him go again? Uh, her brother and some knowledge on secrets, on some of their secrets specifically. Those better have been some pretty darn good secrets, because this sounds like a very, very, very one sided deal. Well, it's 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 gods of it's basically the Catan. <laughs> mm. Sounds more like Chigorax, bro, where he's just for the memes. Yes, for the memes. For the memes. Like, Skolos, like aside from visions that he was given, he was given basically freedom to do whatever he wanted with his equipment and his basically army's worth of supplies. And upon being set free, all of the fallen that were like, you know, the fringe group of house wolves immediately came out of the woodwork and rejoined Skolas. Damn. So, yeah, so Skolas got his army of, you know, his fringe group back. Mara still has the ones that are that are serving her, but they are not happy about it. So, you know, that's kind of how things are going up until... uh <laughs> The uh, the sieging of the reef, <laughs> where Golas basically invites any fallen who wants to to join him in 
basically just ravaging the and basically laying siege to the reef and and sacking it. So you know, not great, not great at all. It's a wonder and, why she didn't get deposed or anything for all this, for for you know her goof. If if you want to know why, it's because Mara is more than just a simple dark elf, space elf, pirate, witch lady, and she might have relations to forces of a divine nature. Relations as in, like, blood or, um, wow, wow. As in, she may or may not have been a god at one point. Okay, this is going to require a Marisov deep dive at some point, but that's not today. Well, if you want to make it even more confusing, all of the Awoken at one point were gods. Yeah, I think my head's going to explode here. (laughs) He was Jesus. (laughs) It makes sense. (laughs) Currently, she's like the North Star to the Awoken, but that's besides the point. (laughs) <laughs> so Marasov is she's a whole can of worms but besides the point uh, she's not happy like she has a very angry face that looks very hot mm-hmm. uh, a very angry a very angry attractive face <laughs> oh punish me mommy because <laughs> well Skull is probably going to say that uh, he basically starts laying siege to the to the reef, and Marasov she doesn't re- she doesn't react she doesn't respond to like the war initially she doesn't respond to the fighting initially she kind of like just seethes for a moment because like all of this because like you have to you have to you have to consider for a moment because like as far as she's concerned they just want Skolas and the nine are so fickle and so like fey fairy tale like. That sh- that they could that the nine could have done anything with Skolas, but the fact that they let him go and gave him everything for nothing, and then they were going to give her, and they demanded that, and then they demanded of her that they give they give her they give them Skolas in return for her brother and information, like you know she's not happy with the nine, and she's especially not happy with Skolas. So she is seething for a good moment until her brother is effectively like, hey, can I just like, you know, run loose? Can I like, you know, can I, can I, you know, can I be a fucking pilot, please? And she basically, I believe the exact quote is let's lose her crows, which then, which are what she calls her corsairs. And her brother Aldrin is the, what is he called? The crow of crows. He's, he's, he's basically the leader of the crows because he's, he's the greatest pilot they have. And it basically becomes it basically becomes a reforced to electric boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact Except this time Aldrin is let off the leash. It makes me think back to Game of Thrones where all the wildlings call the Night's Watch crows. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> crows. Except that's the fallen calling the uh, woken crows. <laughs> The crows feed us. Oh yeah, so I mean, <laughs> so old to let off the leash. He's being a not war crime, but he's definitely being a. Well, I told you if he nukes you and you die a second before he does, that's a victory in his book. So I mean, imagine someone like that being let off the leash. 
Again, we don't like Ultron, but Ultron does have some cool moments sometimes. Hey, give credit um, oh, where it's I just opened the fucking Marisol AI generated art again. Fuck. <laughs> Why? Because I was looking at pictures and then I pressed one of them and it came up to that again. Regardless. Accidentally um, on purpose. Accidentally on purpose. Mm. Exactly. Sus. But the problem is that the reef is still being besieged at this point. And Marisol isn't happy. So she she basically is like, hey, there are guardians around. I saved you guys' ass. Help me. <laughs> like, it isn't like, hey, please help me. It's, hey, I saved your fucking ass at Twilight Gap. Now get over here and help me. <laughs> and The whole thing with Twilight Gap happened before Destiny 1, correct? Yes, yes, yes. And so Guardians kind of go to help this, the reef being besieged. But the thing is that Skolas, he wasn't trying to, you know, destroy the reef. Like, yeah, he was fighting all across the reef, but his fight, he wasn't sieging the reef to, you know, take it or conquer or take all the resources. He was sieging it so that he was sieging it so that he and his splices and all his archons could take the prison of elders. And once inside, they set free all the fallen who were formerly on his side and let them join the house and then even allow some of the fallen that weren't part of his house to join him. And if they weren't, all he did was say, if you're not going to join me, then at least raise hell while you're out. Hmm. So. <laughs> so imagine an army that's led by a former mod bo mob boss and its ranks are made of the criminals and low lives that that mob boss met in prison. And they want vengeance on the people who put them in there. Hmm. That's uh, not a good time. Not a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's what's here's what gets worse, because Mara Sov still has awoken as part of her dynasty, as part of her, uh, as part of the Reef, and she has her own Kells Guard, which are basically the uh, personal guard of the Kell, and she's the Kell of their house, so they are her guards, and they are basically her protectors, her bodyguards, until they aren't, and all of them try to kill her. <laughs> I was gonna say how like with all this politicking going on like how is it they hung out they hung out this this long because they're waiting for the right moment to betray her ah basically the moment Skolas set the prison of elder basically broke into the prison of elders and set a bunch of fallen criminals free that's when all the fallen they're part of her dynasty turned on her now while the Kelsgard tried to kill her they quickly realized very fast and very, very sadly, that she is a fucking witch <laughs> who can erase people from existence. So, victory, I guess? Total victory. Total victory. So the Fallen escape, uh, the Reef is, is sacked and besieged, and Marasov is still seething. And I believe this is where the, uh, the DLC for the House of Wolves begins, was simply... I will give you any treasure you want as long as you bring me Skolas's head. Like, I'm paraphrasing, but she effectively puts out an open bounty on Skolas's head specifically to any Guardian, any human, any Awoken. If they can bring her Skolas's head, she will give them the bounties of the Reef. What if it was another Fallen? 
I don't know. I don't. I think she's not exactly in the fallen forgiven mood. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Kate Six can hire a fallen assassin, I mean, but but you make but you make a fair point. Yes, I mean she's. I don't think she'd be in the in the willing in the willing part. However, if we um, while Skolas is basically set free, he basically reforms the Silent Fang. And just like before, he starts to use them as he always does. <laughs> so the first thing Skulas does as soon as he's set free is he tries to attack the House of Devils. Naturally. Because like they lost their yeah, they lo- basically it's prison rules. The House of Devils is still the biggest house, again, aside from exiles. And they haven't been crippled as far as anyone else is, again, relative relatively speaking. So it's basically like I'm gonna beat the biggest guy in the yard. And this actually led to humanity realizing very quickly, oh, fuck, we have to save the House of Devils. Because if Skolas succeeds in assassinating their leadership and finding and killing their uh, their Archon Prime, House of Devils won't exist, and it'll just be one giant house of wolves. So there's a hilarious mission where you have to basically save the House of Devils from the House of Wolves. <laughs> and it's one of the... I think it's one of the funnest, honestly, because... You basically have to only fight the House of Wolves while the House of Devils is fighting you and fleeing, so it's a really fun mission. Well, would it be that much worse to get rid of the House of Devils as bad as you say that they are, or is this more of a case of better the devil you know? It's basically, would you rather have them fighting each other or join forces? Because as long as House of Devils exists, there's still a chance that the two houses could fight each other and weaken each other. But if House of Devils leadership get destroyed and they basically get some absorbed into the House of Wolves, then you basically have a house that's doubled in size for basically nothing, instead of the two of them fighting each other to death through attrition. Okay, so kind of like what Oni does after the end of the Covenant War, basically, which I'll withhold like details for if for you know whenever we do cover Oni and whatnot, but they do something very similar and very sketchy. To keep humanity that, that at the top. Really interesting. That sounds really interesting. I would love to. I would honestly love to hear about that. Um, I'll say there is a book called Glasslands, which kind of goes over the very rough tensions between the humans and the uh, Sangheili allies, and Oni just kind of pulling strings from behind to keep humanity on top, essentially, and doing some not okay things towards both sides. I might look into that, but it's it's very it's basically the same thing. Yeah, it's better the devils be their own house. Like it's better that they're because like again the houses fight each other as much as they fight humanity. So it's better that they're still it's better that the option that they'll that they fight each other exists than that they join forces again. Fair enough. So yeah, so like that doesn't really succeed. So like Skolas's plan kind of fails on that part. Luckily. Skolas has other options. <laughs> so, Skolas, again, he was trained by Varix to have diplomacy skills. So, Skolas, here's actually something that adds more to the House of Kings being the Chads that they are, the absolute fucking beasts. Skolas has one of the biggest houses at this point, right? House of Kings, as I mentioned before, is the smallest besides House of Judgment. You know what Skolas does instead of attacking the smallest house? 
Does he make friends with them? He tries to make friends with them. The power of friendship, which is everyone. So, yes, which adds more to the weight of maybe they're a lot stronger than people think. <laughs> hmm. Uh, but he, he specifically goes for House of Kings because they have leadership. They're very, they used to have a very strong ability to them. And they have an underlying strength that no one is aware of, not even Skolas. And he's also aware that House Exiles is the most numerous aside from his own, but their loyal, but their uh, command structure is so decentralized that they're that he could effectively like assassinate Baron after Baron after Baron and King after King, Captain after Captain after Captain, but he would never get any traction with House of Exiles. So his idea is to basically try and capture both at once by basically trying to get House of Kings to join him willingly. And with their nobility and potential control or influence over the other houses, which Skolas is aware of, he th he's hoping that he can basically get the House of Exiles in at the same time as House of Kings. Huh. And one of the ways he does this is with House of Winter's wealth, because he first captures House of Winter. Because they don't have a Kel anymore, and uh, they don't have an Archon either oh. assassinate him. So, Skolas now has House of Winter's resources and wealth under their control. And so, offering House of Kings wealth, resources, and even a place in his, effectively, his new empire, he tries to make peace with them. And so, naturally, we have to destroy the Peace Treaty as Guardians, because we're so great at making peace and friends, and totally not murder. <laughs> and the thing is, though, is that... House of Kings sends one of their barons to meet at the diplomacy meeting. Um, I believe Skolas goes alongside one of his barons, which is abnormal because you would imagine a Kel would meet another Kel, not a baron. So where is their Kel? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but luckily the Guardians kill both barons and Skolas is forced to pick up his tail and leave in frustration. <laughs> <laughs> because we just keep pissing him off. And this is where Skolas gets desperate. And you know what they say about a desperate uh, about anyone who's desperate? They get very dangerous. Mm -hmm. And not only dangerous, stupid. Because Skolas decides um, to do something very stupid. Because he realizes very quickly that he does not have enough forces to effectively maintain what he's doing to basically, you know, solidify his hold. So Skolas realizes he needs to get more forces, but he can't get forces traditional way. It's at that moment that some of Skolas's spies discover the Vault of Glass, which is the first raid in Destiny. And um, the Vault of Glass is basically a Vex outpost. I'm putting quotation marks. It's a very important part of their of them as a species and as a race. And after the first raid of Destiny, the vault was quarantined and kept hidden, following the Guardians of Salt because it's such an important place and it's such a dangerous place to go into. And the best case is to just quarantine it and leave it off. Like, you know, quarantine it. No one goes in there because of how dangerous it is. The Fallen found it and decided to go in. They killed the Guardians who were quarantining it and basically invade the Vault of Glass. <laughs> it, this is... Calling back to Bungie's levels of self plagiarism, but this is kind of like how the Covenant break out the flood on the in the first Halo ring. Interesting. 
It's not the exact same though, because but yeah, not the exact think, same, but yeah, the similarities yeah. are there. I'm onto you, Bungie. Yeah, watching you. I'm watching you. Yeah. Um. Now, something else that happens is that the fallen are actually almost willingly throwing themselves, like, at the enemy. They're basically like, they're basically like throwing themselves into the meat grinder. They're effectively willingly dying, which is really like the fallen have are no stranger to like dying in battle. But like the 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 degree of like zealousness and like willingness to die is just like higher than normal. Like, why are you so willing to die effectively? Um, but it's more like a passing note at first that you don't really pay attention to, because you're more focused on the fact that the house and their splicers, you know, their technicians and their and their archons, have basically gained access to the oracles and are starting to gain access to them and use them. Now, Shark. Gerald, take a guess at what the oracles are, if you don't know. Oracles? Yeah. Hmm. I'm thinking back to Halo, but that's what the Covenant called the monitors of the Halo rings. So... How original, how original Bungie? Mm-hmm. I was afraid you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, I'll send a picture one. Here, I'll just tell you what an oracle is. A oracle is one of many. There are multiple of them. But to put it as briefly as possible, a oracle is, is basically a sentient mathematical equation that grows and expands to basically work out how to disprove your existence. So it's kind of like what? A, nah, I can't make that comparison. Never mind. What were you gonna say, Shark? I just said what? <laughs> Imagine a mathematical equation that is alive and basically grows in complexity and awareness to basically disprove and undo your existence. It basically becomes so complex in its nature and its like form that it is basically able to rewrite existence and find where you are in existence and basically erase you from existence to basically put it in another way. You know, imagine you're the number five, these oracles basically become minus five and they basically become the perfect equation to basically erase you to basically substitute you from existence. And I don't just mean like you die. I mean like you are erased. I mean every memory, every fragment, every bit of existence that you had beforehand is gone. You literally do not exist when they complete their equation. So what does one have to do to end up on their radar? And how do you stay away from it? Um, Be enemies with the Vex. <laughs> oh. like this, this is just one of the things the Vex have. If the only way you can stomp them is to destroy them before they reach, you know, full complexity. So if if the Vex have this, why why don't they just use more of this? Because this sounds like the perfect way to just, you know, Thanos snap you away from existence, essentially. They are limited to only being in the Vault of Glass, because the Vault of Glass is a... 
we don't have time to go over what the vault of glass is. The best way to put it is to imagine it like basically imagine it, imagine it as a place where the multiverse meets up, where math and science have basically been able to create a place. Basically, it's 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 really fucking hard to explain. <laughs> But it's really sciencey to basically put it as it's a place where all timelines and all parts of the multiverse basically converge. And that's the simplest way I can put it without going into like a 40 minute tangent onto the vault of glass and vex and metaphysics. <laughs> all right, then. That's that can be a vex episode. Okay, <laughs> then. So that's, that's all I need to and, know. <laughs> and also why the vex could totally solo the Necrons. Don't at me. <laughs> You're unleashing my inner Necron rant, inner Necron fanboy rage. Okay, you tell me. Could any Necron stop an Oracle? Oh, definitely not. I mean, they could probably destroy it, but like, yeah, they could definitely <laughs> destroy it. But so this should basically the Fallen are basically jump starting these because basically these things can form in the Vault of Glass, or they're basically like. They're basically antibodies is the best way to put it. Imagine the Volt of Glass like a living organism and the Oracle's like the antibodies. And what the fallen splices are doing is basically defibrillating the white blood cells to basically awaken the Oracles again. And they're trying to basically use them to... They're basically trying to weaponize them. And when I say weaponize them, I mean the Oracles aren't weapons already. They're just a self-defense mechanism made by the Vault of Glass to protect it from invaders. Yikes. <laughs> like, that alone should express how fucked the Vex are in abilities. Dang. There's, their immune system erases you entirely from existence. So you got Marasov's... Uh... Antimatter missiles. Now you got oracles that do com that basically delete you from existence via algorithms. Yes, I, I honestly am more scared of the oracles than Marasov, though, because Marasov is you know it's it's a spell that she throws and casts. You can avoid it, or you can like kind of like it erases you. Like okay, I'm erasing existence. I don't have an arm anymore, but I'm not bleeding to death. My arm just never existed. This thing is literally. I don't exist. None of you remember me. There is no evidence. Nothing I own ever existed. No one remembers me. Anything I ever had, anything I ever was a part of doesn't exist. Like, this one is, like, it is, that one, the oracles are way more terrifying. <laughs> oh, and I should also mention, the only people who remember you, if you're in the Vault of Glass, are people who are in the Vault of Glass with you when you get erased. And, you, and the only way you can keep remembering you is if you leave. So, like, let's say five people go in the Vault of Glass and one of them gets erased. Well, everyone outside will forget that fifth person, but only the four people inside will remember him until they themselves are also erased by the Vault That's, like, an existential glass. fear that, like, really just kind of... There's not that much that terrifies me, but that's, uh... Yeah. That's, that's, that's on up there. Yeah. And the we the fallen are trying to weaponize this, so you know that can't happen. <laughs> that cannot be a good thing. <laughs> Let aliens trying to weaponize the weaponize the system of other aliens. What could possibly go wrong? Well, 
apparently nothing because they almost succeed in using it as effectively as the Vex did. <laughs> and what, pray tell, but, uh, prevented that disaster from happening? They basically set up these, like, effectively relay stations to try and, like, rebuild them. Again, they're trying to, like, defibrillate the white blood cells to, like, use an, an example. All we had to do was destroy the defibrillators to keep them from, you know, growing complexity and erasing us from existence. Now, Oof. that's pretty cool, but what if I told... Yeah, what if I told you this wasn't even their goal? This was just a distraction. <laughs> mm, okay, so what was the goal? Well, you will again notice that Fallen are just throwing themselves at you until you finally face off with Skolos inside the Vault of Glass, who, like a bitch, as in quotation marks, teleports away. And you <laughs> have to climb out of the Vault of Glass and climb a Vex Spire, which is basically like... Okay, it's a fucking it's a fucking tall tower. And I'm not gonna give examples on how tall it is because there's no numbers on it. But like, imagine a really fucking tall tower that is really thin, and as you're climbing it, um, not it's basically an ev- it's basically a, it's it's an ever shifting tower. The f- like the the walls are shifting on you, but instead of like shifting into themselves, like you could be walking on a, on like a balcony one minute. And then the, the moment, like, the clock switches to the next minute, that balcony just never existed. It was just never there, and you're standing on air, and you fall to your death. Only for it to reappear the next minute. Well, sure. Like, there are parts of this tower that... Yeah, there are parts of this tower that just do not exist in that timeline. So, you know, you have to climb this dangerous terrain. Now, that that sounds kind of bad. That sounds bad, and it sounds like if, you, if you're not watching set, you could die. That sounds bad. But now you might notice, as you're climbing it, that there are towers. There are a bunch of these, like, basically stargates all across it as, as, as the Guardians will climb up it. And as you walk, and as the Guardians will climb up these gates, those gates turn on. And Fallen from the House of Wolves begin emerging out of it. And in massive numbers. It's at that moment that it's realized... Technical difficulties, dear listeners, stand by. Sorry, I'm back. So, not only is this tower, you know, shifting through reality and shifting through time, but um, the gates are full of fallen of the House of Wolves, and in greater number, and that's when it's realized that... These fallen that are coming out are fallen that have been previously killed, I say in quotation marks. Because it turns out that Skolas has hacked the Vex gate network. Because the Vex can travel through time, if you didn't realize. And they've basically been pulling all of the House of Wolves that have ever been aligned to Skolas through time, the moment before they die, and bringing them to this spire. So the reason that the Fallen have been throwing themselves so willingly and haphazardly to die is because they know that the moment they die, they're immediately going to be pulled away from their death and brought to this tower to fight. So they're basically going to be saved the moment before they die. Okay, then. So, yes. So you effectively, the Guardians that are, cl- that are fighting Skolas, effectively have to fight the entire House of Wolves all over again 
while climbing a tower that's shifting through reality and time before they have to finally face Skolas at the very top. <laughs> and you can imagine, as you're climbing this tower, as the Guardians climb this tower, they are expending resources or wasting energy. They're probably dying several times over because of how many fallen they have to die. Not even counting the accidents of just simply falling off the tower because it doesn't exist in the exact second you're standing on it. So, like... And Skull is just waiting at the top for whoever can make it to the top. Like, if you make it to the top, congratulations. You had to fight the entire House of Fallen all over again, and you probably have, like, no ammo left, and you probably used up all your energy getting to the top. Like It's like an impossible gauntlet, basically. Yep. Yeah. Skolas has experience fighting and killing Guardians, and he knows exactly how to defeat them, which is overwhelming them through numbers and exhausting them. But in the final battle with Skolas, you actually do not defeat him. Well, you defeat him, but you don't actually kill him. Because, again, you've, you've been so exhausted from your fight that the best thing you can do is, like, stagger him. But, and before he's about to, like, get back up and, like, continue the fight over all over again, that's when Marasov, who is so sick of Skolas' shit, arrives and fucking subjugates him and captures him with her ship. Is <laughs> mm-hmm. so just like, you know what? I, I am not waiting for you guys to, to put him down. I am fucking taking him myself. Fine. So, Skolas is captured once again and brought to the reef. And technically, the Guardians are thanked for, you know, stopping Skolas, but Marasov is the one who kind of brought him back to prison. Oh. But um, So does that mean yeah. she reneges on, their, on the deal of giving no, them she, the wealth of the reef no, or whatever? No, she keeps her deal. Oh. She keeps her deal. She's, she's nice. Okay. Yes. But um, the thing is, though, is that, bef- is that when she has Skolas captured, she actually interrogates him alongside Variks, because Variks is part of Marasov's court. And as they're, uh, like, interrogating him, all he can scream is that he's the Kel of Kells and howling and growling and just being so angry trying to escape. And he's trying to, like, flee. Like, he's trying to escape. Not just, like, escape to break free, but, like, trying to escape the system. And when Vi- and he doesn't talk to Marasov, like he's actively ignoring her, like refusing to acknowledge her as anything more than a human. He does talk to Varix, though, and he explains that something is coming, a darkness is coming, and it will ravage the uh, it will ravage the fallen once again. It is basically the the uh, whirlwind come again, and that if you aren't going to kill, and if you aren't going to set him free and let him run away, then kill him. Like, he would rather die than live to see another whirlwind. I think this was kind of the, uh, if I remember correctly, like the start of the don't trust the traveler theory thing going around, thanks in part to Mr. Matt Pat. God bless you, we will always remember you. Anyways, where I think it was like, there was a clip of a fallen character that sees you and then just screams, the darkness. So then that uh, raises yes. the question of wait, wait a minute, we're fighting the darkness. What's why why are we being called the darkness? Um, that is more a unused voice line, but the awoken or not the awoken, the fallen do fear the the trap the guardians as again zombies because you've seen Saint 14. You've seen how they depict him as a fucking revenant of death. <laughs> <laughs> Glorious. So yes. But in this case, this was Skolos, um, 
This was basically them teasing the Taken King expansion that was coming, like, that was arriving right around the corner of this expansion ending. And that was the arrival of Oryx, who, again, is the one who caused the previous whirlwind. So it was basically implied that Skolas was given a, a vision by the Nine of Oryx's coming. And this basically further radicalized him to want to become the Kell of Kells, to unite his people once again, and try to either fight uh, the coming darkness, or to just get out and run before it comes. But the problem is that because Skolas was basically mentally broken by all this failure and by the Nine being, you know, amoral gods of the material universe, uh, <laughs> he could not properly articulate that, hey, something is coming. We need to run away before we all die. <laughs> saying coming a lot. <laughs> I mean... Have you seen Moth Mama? Oryx is coming. <laughs> well, he's also taking. <laughs> Shit! But that's the majority of the House of Wolves DLC. That's basically where it ends. The Fallen don't really have much more beyond that in terms of their houses and their lore. Um, the House of Devils does make a reappearance in the last DLC, The Rise of Iron. But... The majority of what happens is Axis basically finds a golden age, how do I put this, a golden age nanotechnology that was simply made to build things, like, you know, just simply build buildings. And he basically reprograms it with the help of his splicers to turn it into, how do I put this, um, a self-replicating virus that basically turns anything it gets infected into into a cyborg war machine. And Axis begins to not just infect himself with this nanotechnology, but begins to forcibly augment all of his fallen, which is where you get the point of him literally breaking other fallen's legs off and then attaching effectively swords onto their legs and causing them to be in so much agony that this agony is supposed to push them through to make them fight harder. Hmm. Um. Yeah, Axis isn't a good person. <laughs> no, nope, um, I gathered that much. Yeah. Um, I might save that for a Rise of Iron DLC if we ever cover that one, or if we ever cover the Iron Lords ex ex specifically because they are a fucking they are just fucking peak best Destiny lore. But for the most part, the Fallen they're more just a villain that used the nanotechnology. With Axis being the basically the last Kel in the system, that's worth his salt aside from the House of Kings, which, you know, like I was happy because I was thinking of Rise of Iron, and then, and I thought of Destiny Two, and then I thought of the House of Kings, and how they were done dirty. Uh oh. The short version is all of the Kells of the House of King died because. Bad writing. Just it like say so with cooler. me now, immortal lizardmen dying of old age. Because we're never going to let DW live that one down. It was such a cool setup. The best way to put it is Aldrin Sov, the queen's brother, crash lands on Mars and is actually found by House of Kings uh, agent. 
who drags him uh, before the before the Raquel. But on on his way to being dragged before the Raquel, uh, Aldrin fights back. But when he fights back, he actually like deliberately does things to hurt himself. So he might swing at a fallen only to miss and hit his head on a rock. He might try to kick one, miss and trip and bump his head. He he basically takes actions to hurt himself to make himself look more injured than he than he would have been when he arrived. And as the fallen of Britain, as he every time he, he resists, he gets taken and brought back to the fallen. He ends up being presented before their Kel, their last Kel, because all their their two other Kels are dead because they died off screen. Um, and Aldrin is like weakened. He's bloody. He looks pathetic. Effectively, he doesn't even look like worth a challenge. And that's when the Kel lowers his guard, and Aldrin kills the Kel. It's technically in single combat because it's one v one. Because the way Aldrin words the conversation sounds like a challenge, despite the fact that he looks weakened and crippled, and even despite that, he manages to kill the Kel, or it's implied that he kills the Kel. He basically ends with with Aldrin shooting the Kel, and it's implied to like be that Aldrin becomes a new Kel of Kings. The issue, though, you know, it really fucking sucks. <laughs> basically. As the Kel of Kings, Aldrin then basically retroactively becomes the Kel of Kells because all the houses basically start to band together and become one giant mega house called the House of Dust that basically has no culture or hierarchy and has no Kells. And then Aldrin leading this mega house that would have been such a cool plot point and made him such an interesting character decides to leave when one of the Archons that was part of his mega house dies, and Aldrin, in his sadness at seeing this death of a fallen that he does not care about in any way, shape, or form, and just met, and seeing it die, he ends up crying, and his tears, combined with the darkness, and a dragon that grants wishes, causes this Archon to come back to life, and calls Aldrin father <laughs> and becomes a necromancer that starts resurrecting all the fallen that have died into zombies called the Forsaken, otherwise known as the Scorn. And are these the zombie motherfuckers that kill Cade Six? Yeah. Bungie. We just went from like Zero to a hundred. That went from like reasonable story to we just started smoking crack halfway through. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about this. Um, the worst part, the worst part is that the DLC where the scorn show up and all this lore shows up in is one of the best DLCs Destiny ever made and ever has had. The problem is, the setup is so fucking ridiculous and so brain cell and killing that it almost loops back around to not being cool damn because because like to to put into perspective destiny 1 ends with all these incredible like awesome setups like for example aldrin facing the kell of kings is 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 where their story ends 
Like, as far as anyone's concerned, Destiny 1 ends with Aldrin either becoming the Keller of Kings or dying. And that, like, plot point is really cool. Only for it to continue in Destiny 2 with no with no information on it for an entire year. Like, you don't know anything for an entire year what happened to Aldrin or the House of Kings or any of the houses for that matter. All you know is that all the houses put all their differences aside, join forces to become one giant mega house called the House of Dusk. It has no Kells and no Barons. It just has Captains. And it's basically, a lo- a loose, it's basically House of Exiles 2.0. That's basically all it is. Just House of Exiles 2.0. And Aldrin is missing. So like, okay, I don't really like how all the houses are gone and there's one mega house. But I like that there's a mystery of where is Aldrin. Only for that mystery to be solved and told to us that Aldrin cries because a fallen baron a fallen archon dies and his tears combined with the darkness of the taken and a dragon that grants wishes brings it back to life as a zombie necromancer and it's just <laughs> I'm gonna be honest you, you just completely lost me there that's I, I I don't know how to put it into any better words. I don't know how to how to clarify this for you. I don't know if that's I think just, Bungie lost themselves there. I was gonna say I don't I don't think it's you. I think it's just Bungie just kind of writing themselves into the most awkward corners, and then just me being on my last two brain cells because it's like three thirty in the morning. Yeah, so. I mean, in all honesty, in all honesty, it's not your brain cells. It's just Bungie. They again, they it's real. It's a really good DLC. But how we got to this really good DLC is brain dead as all hell. Mm. As for any further information on the Fallen, they still exist. House of Dusk is still a thing. But um, there's a radical group called House of Salvation that decides they're not going to worship the Traveler anymore or even try to retake it. And they're instead going to worship the Darkness. And they get defeated in the first DLC they show up in. Oh. I was gonna say, well, that that sounded like a pretty good setup. One that forsake the forsake the traveler and just worship straight up worship the darkness. But no, they said nope. Defeat. Well, the Kel of that house because they basically try to remake the houses again because again people did not like House Dust being a mega house, so they tried to basically introduce a new Kel of House Salvation, and she uses the darkness. But then the darkness betrays her, and then she basically gets shelved. Until they need her again. And then they basically make her do stupid shit to basically make the plot happen. Where she basically decides, oh, I'm going to help the darkness, even though I know the darkness is going to kill me when I'm, when it's done with me. Oh, look, here I am helping the darkness. Oh, what the hell did I just do? The darkness is me the whole time. Wow, this is horrifying. And it's like, yes, because you chose to serve a faction called the darkness, who literally wiped out your race. Like... What did you think was going to happen? Back to the Fallen being stupid. House of Salvation is a thing. They got wiped out in the first DLC. The Dragon Cult is a thing, and they worship dragons who grant wishes, and then they become zombies. So, that happens. And yet, the Cult of the Shard, who worship a shard of the Traveler that fell from the sky, and then they get wiped out in, like, a couple missions. So. It's just baffling, like, the amount of, like forethought that does go into a lot of Bungie's stuff and then it just it just seems like 
the guy went on a smoke break or the main rider went on a smoke break and all of a sudden everything just kind of bleh. Yeah, I mean, they did do something cool with a house of light, which is basically a house of fallen that have aligned themselves to the traveler and are basically like auxiliaries to humanity. And state 14 is not happy about this. <laughs> like it they basically me... use it as an allegory for immigration. Oh, okay. I mean, I liked it. I like, I like the plot line. It was pretty cool because it okay. was, if it, if, if it was well written, then that, that's one thing. Yeah. They had a, they basically the plot point was the fallen. Um, there are some that basically in one mission in destiny two, there's a fallen that if you, he's basically fighting a, a hive knight. And if you play the mission properly, you can actually spare the uh, captain. And if you only kill the knight and you don't kill the captain, the captain actually puts his swords down, bows to you, and teleports away. And he lets you keep the loot at the end of the mission instead of taking it for himself. Hmm. And that and that captain actually ends up becoming a reoccurring character who actually helps you along the way on several missions and actually goes on to form his own house, House of Light. And he becomes a really cool character that uh, Saint-14 actually has to meet in the present day. And I just really enjoy Saint-14 being, you know, like I said, the guy who's seen fallen children. <laughs> and now he has to deal with the fact that there are fallen living in his house or, fall, or rather fallen living in his city. <laughs> That's got to be one awkward reunion. Yeah, but they write it w- really well, and they have a fucking Gimli Legolas moment mm-hmm. where you have where you have Fallen basically being attacked by the Vex, and you have Saint Fourteen in that part of the city, and you have him and this Fallen captain standing side by side while an army of Vex are attacking them, and you have a scene where fucking Saint Fourteen and uh, the captain look at each other, and I swear to God, it was basically like I never thought I'd see myself dying beside a Fallen. And it's just like, I never thought I'd see myself die beside a friend. And it's just like, okay. And just like, fuck off. That's so cool, but fuck off. <laughs> that was going to be joke one of my... was cringe. <laughs> yeah, that writing was cringe. But that was going to lead to one of, my, one of my last questions was like, other than uh, Varix, like, are there any actually friendly fallen... That you can interact yeah, with. We have, yeah, we have the Fallen of the House of Light. And their Kel, who I mentioned before, he becomes an ally and a recurring character. Um, he's actually the Fallen who adopts a female Fallen, like a daughter. And he's the one who is called weak because of the fact that he, you know, he's taking care of. He, he's like nurture. He's a, he's a maternal figure, effectively. Because male Fallen aren't supposed supposed to do that. Yeah, so he's he's a very noble he's a very noble uh, how do I put it? It's a very noble fallen, and he actually refuses to be called a fallen and shoot and um only PBC you don't call him a fallen you call him an elixir, hmm. and yeah it's Mithrax, and the cool thing about Mithrax is he, although he's a Kel he's actually just a captain. Like, his body is a captain's body, and that's because he actually does not keep any ether for himself. He only maintains a 
enough to keep himself at a captain size, but not any bigger. That'd be a bit of a crazy could, character model to have to deal to have to deal with one that is like Kel sized. Yeah, but he's really cool. Um, let me see if I can find a good picture of him. There's a bunch of yeah. I'll do this one. Not animated. And puppy and posts. You've got mail. But yeah, he is a father, and he's a pretty decent guy. I like him. He's very fun. And like I said, he becomes friends with Saint Fourteen, so you know he's good. Aww. Cool. Um, and his house, his house moves. His house basically moves into the house of into the last city. But I guess I'll mention one more fallen that you have as an ally, but he's not really an ally. Um, he's called the Spider, and he is the obese fallen. Ooh, I gotta see this. He's basically a um. Find him. But he is a fallen who, um, he's basically a mob boss is the best way to put it. He is, is he the one that plays with uh, ghosts like their Rubik's cubes? Yep. <laughs> and he is basically spider. The spider. He's basically a crime boss, and he doesn't align himself to any of the other houses. But I mean, the houses don't exist anymore, so it doesn't really matter. But he was basically like one of the first to like, even when the houses were a thing, to like refuse to join the houses. Hmm. Hmm. He chonk. He chonk it. Damn boy, he thick. Yes, he also has the. Uh, you know how in 40k or rather in 30k, Malkador has like the Mona Lisa and shit. Yeah. He has Starry Night. Ooh. Yep. Yep, he has. Uh, he basically collects Earth stuff, and he he finds human culture so interesting, but in a almost like humorous way. Like in the best way to put it is to compare it to like a tourist. Like you know how if a tourist goes to that country, they invest themselves in that country, and they only get the surface level extremes of that country. Yeah, and they don't have understand like, all the, the context. Yeah, that's basically how the spider is for human culture. Ah, so it's kind of like the Trazen of the Fallen. Yeah. Yes. He's also, like, technically your ally, but, like, he'd be so willing to, like, sell you out for the right price. <laughs> except when he needs a place to stay, because he ends up moving into the city, too, because his home gets destroyed by the darkness, and he has to move in with into the last city, he does not like it. <laughs> so... But, um, I mean, I could show you Mithrax's daughter, but, like, she's just, like, a small... She's a dreg, basically. Yeah, she doesn't really have much more information on her than besides being, like, his daughter and being a pretty decent person. But Ew, decent people, gross. Yeah. I mean, there was this, like... What's it called? There was this um, plot line that never happened about Mithrax becoming a guardian. Because, like, he's basically set up to be the Kel of Kells in every way, shape, and form. He just hasn't been, he just hasn't been chosen by the Traveler. But you can only be chosen by the Traveler when you die. And he hasn't died yet. So, people think that when he dies, however he dies, he'll become a Guardian. But the problem is when you become a Guardian, you lose all your memories. So people are like... Of two uh, two ways of do you want him to die and become a guardian and lose all of his character development, or do you want him to stay Mithrax and not become a guardian or a light bearer? 
Didn't he just, you know, take the old fucking Kurt Cobain route? <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh my goodness. If he's just waiting to die. Well, he's not waiting to die. The community, oh. wait, the community is waiting for him to die. Okay, I thought, I thought he was waiting to die. I'm like, you know, you, I got a solution for you. No, the community is like, hurry up and die and become a guardian already. We want, like, Fallen. We want to play as Fallen. We want to play, we played as Elise. Let's play as Fallen now. But like, And then he's just like, I'm trying to leave my house. I'm not going to turn into a guardian. And honestly, the last time an alien got control of the Traveler's Light, the Traveler woke up, incinerated him from existence, and ended up drawing the darkness to it. So, I mean, I don't think the Traveler is the most xenophobic of race of creatures. Well, as we established last time, it's not a god, it's just a dude looking for a parking spot. Yeah, I mean, I just find it hilarious. Like I said, another alien's alien god, like, became a guardian, and the Traveler woke up like it was dead. Like, it was dead. It literally came back to life to kill it, and then because it came back to life, the darkness found it. And it was willing to let the darkness find it just to kill this alien who had the light. <laughs> like, that is a level of, like, xenophobia that is, like, so unnecessary for a galaxy, for a galaxy traveling traveler. That's, like, Bungie's way of doing the 40k absolute rule of no female space marines. You can't have fallen guardians. Basically. As cool an idea as that would be. It would be so fucking cool. And I want I, I want it to happen. I just don't want Mithrax to die because I genuinely like him. <laughs> like, when I played that mission, I killed the Hive Knight first because the Hive are objectively evil. The Fallen are just sometimes evil. So I killed the Knight first, was about to kill the Fallen, and then I seen him put his swords down. And I was like, wait, what the fuck's going on? Should I kill him? I was like fucking ready to kill him, and then I seen him teleport away, and I was like, oh, that was weird. Okay, I'm not going to think two seconds about this. I'm going to complete my mission. And then the ghost was talking. I was not paying attention to what my ghost said until after. <laughs> but, yeah, I really like Mithrax. Definitely one of my favorite characters. But I like Saint 14 more. <laughs> I prefer genocide over this friendliness business. Well, if we're going to talk about genocide, we need to talk... Well, I was going to say genocide, but... What what uh, Saladin did is in genocide. That's just murder. Once I war crimes, we might as well talk about Felwinter and his temper tantrum of throwing his throne on top of a mountain because he got sad he had to get rid of it. But those were episodes for another time. <laughs> just saying, I respect Felwinter. If I, too, had to say, put away my throne, I, too, would teleport to the top of my mountain castle and throw it off of that mountain to prove a point that I could get rid of it. I would just be a real bitch about it. <laughs> favorite fucking... That's my favorite bit of lore. Just such a sassy bitch-ass response. You are the saltiest, sassiest, <laughs> sore loser. We don't do thrones anymore, fellow winter. You should probably take that down. Fine, I'll take it down. Where'd he go? Uh, guys, on top of the mountain. Why the fuck is he? Is that his throne? Why the fuck is he... Holy fuck, he just threw a stone off there. Zoom. There, he fucking happy? I got rid of it. 
Hey guys, we missed. Get another. <laughs> it's like when you're moving, you're like, "We well, we don't need this couch anymore," and it's out the window. <laughs> no joke. And uh, in, in college, what I had, I was in an apartment style dorm, and the guys in the in the room directly above us had like a big Christmas tree. Uh, so after break or whatnot, their Christmas tree died. So I am about to leave and go home, and I just look out my window, and then ne- next thing I know, I just see a giant tree just chunk, just fall. <laughs> like what the fuck? Oh my god! So, the, so instead of carrying the tree through the hallway and out to the dumpster, they just decide to chuck the tree out the window. <laughs> I approve. Needless, to I say, also approve. Needless to say, after that point. The uh, dorm authority decided to basically seal up all the windows so you can't open them <laughs> open them wide enough to do that anymore. Isn't that illegal? Yes. They did. They it's did like something. Fucking illegal. They they did something to where you can't open it up wide enough to to chuck a tree okay. through. But okay, yeah. but but it, like a human and a tree are like the, depending on how big the tree is, they're like they can be of, of roughly the same circumference depending on how big that tree is. Yeah. So I'm just saying it. So. You're not supposed to seal up windows. The reason you have windows in every room is so you have a fire escape. Uh, yes. I, I, maybe it wasn't sealing up, but I, I don't know what they did. But basically, we weren't allowed to uh, throw things out the windows anymore. I would do it anyway. I would too. We've established that I would trap a demon. I'm pretty sure if someone told me I'd throw shit out of a window, I would definitely throw shit. Yeah, the the difference is I'm not going to carry it down the stairs. I'm going to throw it down the center fucking railing area of the stairs. And when it hits the bottom, that would fucking work though, like because then you would you would shatter all of the like the pine needles and shit, and you could just like sweep those up, and you could just like put the fucking center branch out the at the dumpster. And just like sweep up all the pine needles after, like that sounds way easier than fucking just dumping the whole tree out the window. I mean, there was nothing but woods out. No, the window, out the window is easier. So, well, yeah, but then you have to pick up the tree and then adjust it outside. That one you just fucking just dunk it down. The it's outside. They don't know whose tree it was. <laughs> I'm just leaving it there. <laughs> could it be? It could be mine. It could be the guy floor above me. It could be the guy below me. You don't know. Is this your tree? Prove it. Well, we know the guy above you celebrates Hanukkah, and the guy below you is agnostic, so it can't be either of them. I would have you know, this tree is not mine. <laughs> I don't see no receipt. <laughs> I don't see no receipt. <laughs> Meanwhile, you literally went in the back and just chopped down that the fucking campus's pine tree. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, now I'm sad. I'm remembering my fucking the school's goose. Pouring out for a homie. Ghoul's goose, alright. Uh, I'll give you context another time. It's fucking late. Uh, I'll give you more information on fucking Tuesday. <laughs> Needs to say he did not go to my school anymore. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, I used to scar other children too. <laughs> oh my god. So, literally and figuratively. <laughs> uh. This is the point where Jill has already cut the podcast. We're not listening to this this diatribe. We're going to skip past this part. Unless yeah. we do an extended cut. Unfortunately, it's still recording. Live, okay. mind you. Nah, well, just, well, just don't cut this. Well, you know what? Don't cut this part for the Patreon and then send me the part and then cut and then send me the version that's that this part is cut out on. Uh, and that way our, 
Okay. Yeah. If that's not too much work, if it's too much work, then just fucking just whatever. It doesn't matter. I th- I think I know what you mean, but tell tell me again, like when I wake when I wake up, like yes. in the next five hours, because I'm just like yes. what? <laughs> Honestly, I need to like go to bed too. I have to drive like two hours when I wake up. I have to drive half an hour, and once we're done. So... Oh, oh, okay. Well, wait. Are you going home? I'm at home. I gotta go back to the town. Ah, oh, fuck. Well, let's let's round out this episode here. If you've stuck around for this long, dear listeners, thank you. And I think the nine are appreciative of your finishing up the fallen story, too, because I see them fixing the ship and opening up a slip space portal back to Halo so we can find Exo and Slappy. Yay. Wait, that means they're alone together. Oh, no. We got to stop them. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Send Send us back. Okay, I don't care if I get digitized. We gotta stop them. Full throttle! Go! Okay, put the blindfold back on. Whoa, 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 whoa. None of that here on this ship. What's left of it, at least.